Welcome to the 500th episode, everyone. Uh, this is a big thing for us here at KafaruCast. I'm not sure how many downloads we have. I think we're up to 12 million or something like that in 500 episodes. But uh, we, um, we're we excited about this, obviously, with KafaruCast. We've never really put a ton of effort into monetizing it or anything else. It was just me and other people uh, you know, talking, having fun, informational stuff. But, but I definitely want to thank all of the listeners. Uh, I really appreciate the feedback. I really appreciate, um, you know, the kind words. Um, and you know, again, it's always, it's always great when someone says they're going through a tough time and I help them or we help them through that or diet, nutrition, they lost weight, whatever. So, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for everybody tuning in. Um, it's been, it's been, a an experience for me from doing all these podcasts as many, you know, from the beginning being on with gritty with Brian call, um, you know, kind of developing and becoming, I, I hope anyway, a better interviewer talking less, not talking over people. Um, and some of the people we've had on are just amazing and I've learned so much from them and have, you know, gained friendships from this. So, Thank you again uh, for everything. We'll probably do some kind of a giveaway with this, but thank you all again from the bottom of my heart. It's been great. It's been a great ride, and uh, welcome to the 500th episode. So you got a whole uh, alpha team now, don't you? But, you? but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people, and it, we can move the needle. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. People relate to this. So as the intro has stated, this is our 500th episode, uh, you know, big, big moment for Kafaru cast. Um, I, I, uh, did not initially really know what I wanted to do with this, uh, 500th episode. We had talked about trying to get like Rogan or Cam on and it's like, man, that's, that's cool and all, but th- this broadhead review is what I wanted to do. And like I said, in the intro, uh, I was going to have John Lusk on John, thank you for coming on. Uh, dude, I really appreciate everything our friendship and what you do in the industry. But uh, yeah, th- thank you. Thank you. For, thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks, Aaron. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we've been friends for a while and I followed you and so many of your hunts and learned a lot from you, actually, especially elk hunting out in Colorado. I really appreciate all your help there. And so it's great to join you here today. Oh, yeah. Well, John, how, I was trying to think 2009. Is that is that when I met you? Yeah, I think that was like 2009, 2010, right around there. We moved back to Colorado in 2009. And uh, yeah, it would have been right around there. I started going to No Limits. And I think that's where, oh, you know what? It was, you were uh, on, on Archery Talk. I, were you Elk Reaper 77 or something yeah. like that? Was that you? Yep, that was me. Yeah, that's, that's how we met is I bought some of your old Sitka gear shirts, (laughs) you were selling some of those and you sent some guy to meet me like to sell it. But you you know, he kind of brokered the deal or the the handoff, but that's how we got connected. And then I bought like some, uh, Zeiss conquest HD glasses for me. I got a Kafaru pack. Yeah. So that's what it was. It was all through that initial connection and then Kafaru and going up and hanging out at the shop there when it was uh, there near Arvada in that area. Yeah. So John knew me um, when I was staying in a tiny little one bedroom apartment and uh, not having really anything other than going to shoot over at Bear Creek Lake archery. Um, and uh, 
spending money on hunting that I shouldn't have been spending it on. So that John knew me way back in the day. So yeah, we sat out there together and yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some other connections. One of your friends was in the hospital. I had a friend that was uh, a, doc- a doctor in that hospital, a general surgeon. He went and checked on her for a while. Yeah. There was a bunch of different touch points at that, at that point in time. Yep. Yep. A hundred, hundred percent. And uh, now, you know, oddly enough, um, you know, fast forward, uh, and I, John and I don't talk that much. In fact, I've talked to Brian, who I went on a goat hunt with Brian, um, who, who John, he, Brian worked for you for a while, correct? Yeah. Brian was one of my campus ministers. I work as a pastor and he worked in our campus ministry and man, we hit it off. I mean, we had like the same frame and he used to mentor me in fly fishing and then I mentored him in bow hunting. And so we, we really hit it off and through you i got him connected with you and you helped him a ton on that goat hunt yeah it was a good it was a good trip he's a good good he's a really good dude and uh but you know following along it kind of popped up of hey did you te- check out you know lusk archery adventures or what broadhead review and i popped on i'm like that's john wow and then I'm, you know, I'm like, I knew, I've known John forever. And so I was, I started watching your reviews and it's funny cause I, I I'm not going to say like I was a huge, I, how do I put this? You did not know as much when <laughs> okay. I met you as you do now. And now I send as many people as humanly possible to you because of your reviews. And I, I, I try everything pretty much parallels that I, my findings with your reviews and, and you're very thorough with them. So I, uh, and I don't think anybody, maybe two people, even know that I knew you this whole time, if that makes any sense. And but your oh yeah yeah your your page, I'm like yeah, go over check out John's reviews. So I, I've always sent people your way, but I've I've paid attention to it, which is why you're on here because there's not really any other page that gets the that, that I would trust with the testing that you've done. So this is perfect for what we're about to do with this broadhead review. So get, tell everybody where to find that. Yeah. So on YouTube, it's uh, Lusk Archery Adventures. And that's my bread and butter is YouTube and doing broadhead testing, but also uh, a lot of my, all my bow hunts. I mean, I film all my bow hunts. And so I like to test how the heads, the heads test in my lab I like to test as many as I can, nowhere near as many as you do, but out in the field. And then Instagram and Facebook, it's Lusk Archery Adventures as well. Archery Talk, I'm like Bowhunter64, I think it is, because I started that already. But again, my staple is Lusk Archery Adventures on YouTube. And 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 John does amazing jobs with his uh, broadhead reviews. He does multiple different types of tests, shooting through multiple layers of cardboard, checking for like basically edge edge retention, durability, penetration. So go over that before we get going on on some of the tests you run the broadheads through. Yeah, it's evolved quite a bit, and I like to think it's always evolving. I, I'm an engineer by education, uh, civil engineer. And so I, you know, I've looked at a lot of different broadhead tests over the years. And one of my critiques has been they're just not, they don't provide good comparative data because they're not done under consistent processes. And so I, I just wanted to come up with a system that would put every broadhead through the same tests 
so that there would be comparative data points. And you could say, well, this broadhead did this, this broadhead did that. And the consistency of the mediums and the test process are essential to provide useful comparative data. So what I do is I, I test for flight, um, I test for uh, cut size, you know, measuring that, penetration, edge sharpness and edge retention and durability. And so those five tests and I weight them, I have like this formula that I came up with, again, it's the engineering in me, it's certainly not perfect, but each of those five areas gets 20 points and so the maximum is 100 points. And so you can put in any broadhead and see how it's going to score on a 100-point scale like that. Gotcha. And so one of the things that I want to John on here for is exactly what he's describing. I do a few tests where it's a, a static or a, there's, a, there's a, a solid platform to go against where I'm not just winging it. And then I do a lot of winging it, and I do a lot of just field experience. Um, when I say a lot, I, I there are certain things I am basing it off of multiple one arrow through multiple animals, um, and and my my findings are based on some of that as well. But other portions of my testing are are definitely more a static environment where I can get exact data and, and compare and compare them. Um, the one thing I want to make sure before we get going that people understand with this. Uh, review is is please listen to everything we we say because there is really no best broadhead meaning um all not all all high quality broadheads will do the job there's going to be high points and low points of each of those and i'm going to be very candid about both of those high points and low points with all of the broadheads when, when I talk about high points and low points, it could be the pain in the butt of getting them into a quiver, how much they rattle, the potential mm, catastrophic failure or the failures of those. So, you know, it, I found, and, and, and John, obviously, being um, a man of God, I brought up that it seems like with broadheads, it's worse than talking about politics and religion. At times, people get super defensive over this. And... It's Ford, Chevy, you know, whatever your preference is fine. We are just going to list our findings. Some spec, when I say speculation, some things I have found, potential failures. Don't get your feelings hurt. If, if your favorite broadhead, it doesn't win or doesn't do well, that doesn't mean you shouldn't keep shooting it. This is just to get info out to people to make a good decision, spend their money wisely and go from there. So all of these are going to have problems, the fixed and the mechanicals. And when I, when I say that, um, if you look at a, a schwacker, I would say a schwacker is by far the best to go into a quiver. And people are like, what's that matter? Matters a lot to me because it is a pain getting broadheads to go into a quiver, not deploy, not rattle, a schwacker goes into a quiver super easy. You never have any issues with it. It doesn't rattle, but the schwacker loses at other things. And that's maybe not that big of a deal to some, but believe me, with the thousands of questions I get of how do I modify my quiver hood, it's a big deal to a lot of people. And we, well, I will talk about those things. The other thing is going to be, and John and I will kind of cover this as time goes on, is the debate between a mechanical and a fixed blade. Um, a lot of people are never shoot a mechanical, they fail all the time, you know, and then you go to like all my buddies who are outfitters, 
they all promote mechanicals. Why is that? Why do people promote mechanicals over fixed blades? Is it ingrained to them from birth? And and we're going to talk about all of those things. And John has shot a pile of animals as well. So it's not just his, he's not just testing in a lab or, you know, he's also has put multiple, uh, you know, broadheads through animals. Um, John, is there anything you want to add to that? No, I, I totally agree. I mean, everything's a trade-off in broadhead design, everything. And I always say, I wouldn't want to get shot with any of them. I mean, you could take the crappiest broadhead out there and I could, you know, give it a really low score, but I wouldn't want to get shot with it. Mm. And so, I mean, they can all be lethal. There's no question. And sometimes people critique my scoring because ahead, maybe it'll fail in a certain test, but overall it gets like, I don't know, 70 points or 75 points. People go, oh, that's so low. Man, that's actually, you know, that's a C when it comes to. I like got through a, high school with school a D score. minus. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, right? I mean, they can get the job done, and, but people do get their feelings hurt and they love the testing until they see me test their favorite head. And then they're like, what? You know, I've killed four deer with that. And it's great, but the anecdotal evidence, it only provides so much comparative data. And, you know, people typically say a broadhead is awesome or a broadhead sucks based on what happened in their last hunt or what their friend said or the guy in the bow shop. And that's good. Word of mouth is good. But with so many different words of mouth, so many dynamics of what happens in the field, so many different advertising claims, marketing claims, man, I like to kind of provide as much objective data as I can. And then you see that different heads do better in different areas and do worse in other areas. And you can just compare them and see the strengths and weaknesses, but they all have both. No, they do. And and one, one of the things that I think that um, people need to understand is, is uh, some of this for me, I'll, I'll bring up rage. I, I don't talk about rage broadheads. I don't ever mention them. I don't give them the fair shake I probably should now because of previous experiences. And I, and, and I know now they, they have changed, but I have not tested current rage broadheads. I, I should do that. Um, I had horrible luck with them in the beginning. I've had horrible luck with them with clients, but they have changed. So something like that, I've had people, why don't, why don't you ever talk about rage? I'm like, cause I don't want to, I don't, I don't have good data <laughs> to talk about them because if I talk about them, it will not be good. And and if that's someone's favorite broadhead, then great, but it's not something I feel comfortable speaking about because I don't have enough data of my own with the current models that they have out. And there's other broadheads and I, I don't want to mention, um, you know, nay, I don't want to bash any specific companies, but other fixed blade broadheads recently that I've seen st- snap off at the shank because of tempering, one specifically that everybody, I, I say everybody, a ton of people were asking me to test and I don't want to hurt the company, but I have seen at this point, five of them break at the shank in targets. So that's not something I should reach out to that company and let them know, but that's not something I'm ever going to even speak about because it is, I don't, I, the only data I have is really bad. So the broadheads we're going to talk about are obviously ones that I feel comfortable with, that I've had good luck with, and I put a lot of arrows through animals with. Ones that I'm not talking about, me personally, there's probably a reason for that. And the reason may just be I haven't shot them, but some of them is because I've just had really bad uh, luck. Has there ever been a broadhead that you have not posted about because it tested so poorly? 
That's a really good question. In the beginning, um, you know, I was kind of finding my footing with the broadhead testing. And when I was reaching out to some of the, the you know, the, the manufacturers, I'd say, hey, if you comp me a pack of heads to test, and if it tests really poorly, then I won't put out the video. I don't do that anymore. Like, I, I just, I don't agree to that. But I, there never was one that I didn't post because of that, though I kind of gave them that option. This was, again, like the first year I was starting to do this. Um, but there never was. And what, but in the beginning, I, I got really subjective and negative. Like I'd be like, man, this is cheap, man. These are just cheap stamp blades. It costs five cents from China. You know, they spend 95% of their budget on marketing. I would go into stuff like that. And then I started to realize like, man, kind of like you're saying, I'm crippling somebody's dream. You know, there's some guy that like has given birth to this broadhead and my subjectivity was, was just, I, I felt overly negative. And that's where I came up with, an objective scoring system to where I don't have to make as much personal commentary. I can say, Hey, you see how the heads perform in these tests. And I, and I always say in every video, check out the score sheet, see how the test, how the head performed in the test that mattered to you the most. See if it might be a good fit for you because some people look at a test, they go, I don't care about that. Okay, great. More power to you. I'm just providing the data point and you can make the conclusions. Now I'll throw in some conclusions and I do give an overall LUSC grade, you know, that corresponds to the numerical score of zero to a hundred. But I like that I have this objective process to let it speak for itself. Yeah, no, so I'm not I, afraid to talk about anything because of that. And I, yeah, I've I've watched a lot of your recent ones because you know you, you didn't know this, but over the last probably four months, uh, five months, um, you brought this up earlier. We talked briefly that you're always looking to better yourself, your system, your your head, your arrow, your whatever, and. At the end of each year, and obviously, you know, people on my, I say obviously, but people on my end, I, I'll get criticized sometimes because uh, it's money. I'm shooting this because I'm paid or whatever. And I can I can promise you after this review, uh, you will understand it's not about money because I am going to potentially lose a shitload of money in endorsement contracts by crapping on some broadheads. And I don't <laughs> m- mean that. I mean, I mean that to, to take it for what it's worth that... I am looking this year as I do this because of certain things I've seen over the last few years and certainly this year, more th- more so than ever, certain deficiencies and failures of different heads of what is going to be the Aaron Snyder system for 2024, arrows and broadheads. Why is it that? And I'll tell everybody, you know, when you when I announce the winner, why is it going to be that? But that does not mean the seven other broadheads behind that fixed or mechanical would not do me just fine, but I will explain why I have seen failures, why I'm worried, why I'm nervous, why I'm changing or staying the same. And John, you said basically the same. You're looking at doing the same thing every year. Absolutely. Because there's there's no perfect process. I mean, how can you replicate everything that happens in the field, in the lab? I mean, think of the different shot distances, the different bow and arrow setups, the different um, the different angles of impact, the different geometries of bone or tissue encounter, that the individual biology of each animal, the movement after the shot or right before the shot, there are so many, you know, whether, whether that broadhead clips a lung or whether it clips an artery or just clips a vein, 
there are there's like an just an amazing amount of variables and there's no test that can account for all of that so i try to come up with tests that'll account for most of it and what i'm always evolving that i go oh i want to do this test because that'll help and one thing you said earlier that i really want people to listen to is when people the basing off of a bad experience, basing their choice off a good experience or basing it off of a buddy's experience. This year, well, every year, this year, I've been really been documenting more than uh, normal bad experiences with different broadheads. And even though some of those broadheads test higher than any other head out there for John and I and everyone, some of those broadheads have failures. And I get to hear about those failures, especially if it's a broadhead I've talked about, because rightfully so, they are pissed at me or maybe disappointed because of that. And, and a good example of this is if you take one specific broadhead and I post about it, there may be 15 guys in a row that just, thank you, I had the greatest blood trail, died in 55 yards. And then the next five could be I had this, this, and this happened. This is horror, you know, just, just shit on the broadhead, top to bottom, like hate it, never use it again. Was that their fault? That's always an issue right there. Or, or that's always a possibility of, well, they probably hit where they shouldn't have. They blame the broadhead. People always blame the broadhead. When I actually have video data that totally discounts where I can't say, no, they just suck. I'm watching the data. I'm watching what they send me, the blood trail, the whole everything. And I document that if it's hearsay, I don't include hearsay. I just have learned nobody ever blames the Indian. It's always the equipment. Right. And so I don't, the hearsay things out the window. And so like what John had just said, there's so many variables. If you only shoot one animal that may, and you have great luck, the next shot could be a bad one because of a different situation. And I am going to cover a lot of those situations as well as John and not in the lab watching animals get hit. And and I get to shoot and I a lot of animals and I guide a lot. And so I get to watch that as well. And there is no perfect scenario or, or excuse me, perfect broadhead. It's the perfect broadhead for you or that specific scenario. Meaning if somebody shoots a, I'll pick a mule deer and hits it in the shoulder and the broadhead stops and they don't find it, they could potentially, if they were shooting mechanical, go to a fixed blade. But I can tell you if that person hit the stomach and they had a big cutting diameter mechanical, they will love that mechanical far more than they will a small <laughs> fixed blade. I mean, that's yeah. just life. But John, go ahead, dive in a little bit on that. Oh my gosh, that is so much the case. I, I have this video I put out about a, I don't know, maybe it's a year and a half ago called Broadheads and Blood Trails, Understanding the Connection. Because most people do not understand the connection of broadheads and blood trails. Some people go, man, all that matters is penetration. I go, well, you know, that is a huge factor, you know, whether you get two holes or one. But if you zip right through an animal with a little one-inch head, you're not, by and large, all the other things equal, you're not going to get as much blood as if you zip through an animal with a two-inch head. And so, you know, there's there's a, so many variables that affect that. And oftentimes people don't understand it. They go, I shot it. I have a video. It went right through the lungs. You go, yeah, and it missed an artery. 
And so that can still be lethal, but you're not going to get blood or you hit it high in the lungs or it went in and then it, it ricocheted off of a rib or something. And you didn't even know that. So even a lot of times their video ever, evidence doesn't really paint the whole picture. People say, oh, man, I used, you know, this fixed blade head and it has terrible blood trails. I go, listen, you're getting an inch of whatever, two inches of steel cutting through that animal you're going to get the kind of blood trail that two inches of steel cutting through an animal is going to get based on where you hit it. But people just don't understand that connection. Oftentimes they blame the broadhead, like you're saying. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing that, that we're going to cover with this. And, and, and John said it great. One of the reasons I promote mechanicals more than fixed blades with a compound for specific setups is straight up blood trails and, and the, probability of someone hitting the stomach small and large intestines is much higher just from sheer mathematics than it is the shoulder and if someone's hitting the shoulder depending upon their setup they may not make it through anyway through the scap and those are things to think about i had a guy on one of my posts that that just was going to town on mechanicals fail why wouldn't anybody use a fixed blade the one thing that I really want people to think about before John and I, and we'll dive straight into this after this, and I brought this up to Bill at Iron Will. Yeah, on a bet, if someone asked me, could I get a dozen broadheads, fixed blade broadheads to hit at 100 yards with my field tips, I immediately could not take that bet because I can't. But can I get fixed blade broadheads at 100 yards to shoot a relatively tight group? Yes, I can. If, if I put a high amount of work into making sure they are all perfect, I can probably do it with a dozen, with a lot of effort. And that's even after my bows tune perfectly, because even if my bows tune perfectly, you have form, and then you also have the concentricity of the arrow to component to broadhead. So if you ask me that bet with a mechanical, I will take that bet far more with a mechanical at longer distances. And I'm saying 100, but 60 to 100, I'm going to take that bet far more with a mechanical head with less effort than it will take with a fixed blade. So if I said, um, and I'll, I'll just pick a guy and just say, hey, Chad, why don't you go to a pro shop, cut a dozen arrows down, not you, the person after pro shop, which is most people, Go buy a dozen broadheads, screw those broadheads on fixed blades. Now, you tell me what your accurate, effective distance is. And, and Chad says 60 yards. All right, shoot those dozen at 60 into that target. Tell me what happens. And I can tell you already what's going to happen. There's going to be arrows not hitting the target. I promise. Like, I test this. Now, if I say put a dozen mechanicals on there. Okay, I guarantee they're probably going to hit close to where you are aiming with a mechanical. Now, people will say, well, people need to learn how to tune. People need to do this, that. Yeah, well, we don't all live in a perfect world, and a lot of people may not have the skill set or the, the, um, the time, the money. They may, you know, whatever. And so, and they may not want to shoot every broadhead into the target. Uh, fixed blade, they have to resharpen it or replace blades. So a lot of people will screw one on and practice with that. Where with a mechanical, that's not an issue. And that is not something I'm going to argue. That is fact. And I, when I say fact, that's Aaron Snyder fact. But John, would you agree with anything I'm saying or disagree? 
hundred percent agree. And, you know, people say that, well, if your bow's well-tuned, then you don't need to shoot a mechanical. And I hear where they're coming from. That is I've a lie. I've said that same thing. Yeah, I've said the same thing in the past. It is a lie because you add in your nerves, which are big. You know, your adrenaline goes from like zero to full throttle in two seconds as that buck comes rolling by. Your adrenaline rushing and pumping, your heart pumping, you're nervous. Or, or you know, it's a really quick shot or it's a long distance shot and there's, you know, there's brush or... Or there's some wind, you know, swirling winds that you may not even see. All of those affect flight forgiveness. And so the less surface area there is, by and large, the less exposed surface area on that broadhead, the less planing there's going to be, the better flight there's going to be. That, that's just a fact. Okay, so now go to be fair to the next portion of this is the potential for a mechanical to fail. Now, if you had asked me this years ago, I would say the potential is higher much higher then than now. And so when you, and this again is not something I will argue because this is Snyder fact, um, <laughs> the chances of a mechanical failing compared to a guy coming without shooting his broadheads, properly tuned bow, on and on and on, the fixed blade loses and it loses badly. And I will test this anyway and gamble any amount of money with anyone you will lose. And I say that because I've tested this and, and it's like, okay, how do you know it could fail an on animal, but not during the test? It's like, well, my aunt, my aunt grew ball. She could be my uncle too. Like as close as we can get in, in accurate testing, I'm promising you the mechanical wins, but it could fail. And I've seen them fail. Like, and I will talk about it in, in this, I'm going to be very open about it. But I'm just trying to be realistic. If you're those shooting 250, 60 feet per second, if you like fixed blade broadheads, I shoot them. I shoot fixed blades as well. I'm just saying when you look at reality, and this is for the guy sending me hate mail with what I just talked about, buying the dozen arrows, all that stuff, it's very easy to test. I, I strongly suggest people to test it if you can afford it. Go buy, if you can, and, and just grab three of your arrows laying there, cut them down, put a moderate amount of effort into it, screw on the broadheads and shoot them at your maximum effective distance. Tell me what happens, then screw three mechanicals on. I promise you. I mean, it's it's flight dynamics. It's drag. It's it's concentricity. It cannot be cannot be argued. Yeah, there's no question about that. And then And then with mechanicals, too, is not only do you get that flight forgiveness with that concentricity, the low exposed surface area of the blades, but then you get a bigger cut. And so to, to have both of that, like you don't get that with a fixed blade. If you go with a really big fixed blade, man, there's a lot of exposed surface area, you're compromising in the flight. There's no question about that. So to get the combination of flight and large cut, that's unique. And those are unique strengths to a mechanical. But like you, I, I often hunt with both. I mean, I'll have, I went on a moose hunt last fall up in Newfoundland and I had a, a fixed blade in my quiver and I had a mechanical in my quiver. And my thinking was, if I, you know, we're calling this moose, if it comes in straight at me and I got a frontal shot, I'm going to use that smaller cut fixed blade head. But if I've got a broadside shot or I've got a long distance shot, a follow-up shot, a windy shot, 
and I have time, I'm swapping out and I'm using the mechanical and I have shooting the moose with both. And I got to see the, the difference in both. And it was really interesting to see that. But there, there's a case for each of them, because, again, everything's a trade off when it comes to broadhead design. And, and honestly, after all the testing I've done. Um, and I have a little bit more to, to do, but I, I've, I'm going back to shooting both. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I shoot a, either a five arrow quiver on the side of my bow or an eight arrow option archery quivalizer. And I'm going to go back to having, uh, two fixed and three mechanicals or, you know, four, um, fixed and four mechanicals in the option. And, and the reason is everything John is talking about, and I do feel confident 50 and in with a fixed blade. And I do know they out-penetrate. I've heard some guys throw some mental gymnastics about mechanicals that penetrate. It, it I have not found that to be true, that mechanicals will penetrate better than a fixed. And, and, and also, too, like shooting a stick bow with fixed blades, I've seen the damage that a fixed blade will do. They kill. They just don't leave as much blood, but there's a time and place for, for all of them. Um and, and again, I please take this as we talk about for what it's worth and listen, because again, there's very <clears throat> emotions get thrown out. People get butt hurt a little bit. And, and, and it's truly, we are just trying to get good info out with, with all of this. So, uh, John, do you want to have anything you want to add before we start breaking down some of the broadheads? No, I agree. And I like you in the mixed, uh, different types of heads in my quiver too. I've shot, there's times I've shot deer or other animals hogs or something and hit them a little far back and i was using a little bitty two blade single bevel head and i got nothing and then i'm like dang it i should have used this big mechanical and then i put in a big mechanical hit it in the shoulder and i got nothing and i'm like dog on it so then i just go let me carry both and you know if it's a longer shot i usually have time to put in a, a mechanical if it's a really close shot then i already have the fix knocked so yeah, I, there is a case for both. No, for sure. Um, so we're going to do um, fixed and mechanical broadheads today. I'm going to do mechanicals first and then uh, go to fixed blades after that. John has tested all of these. Um, John is going to add uh, one, I think, fixed blade broadhead that he recently tested. I will not speak about. And then um, there is one broadhead, which is from uh, the Bomars. I'm going to speak about it at the level I'm capable of. Um, I have not shot any animals with this broadhead. Um, this is just my testing in the lab. John, have you shot? Have you shot an animal with them either? I've not. Okay. I, I got some because I use all of them in my test. But then I got some others, so I can use the animal. I just haven't used them yet. Haven't gotten a chance. Yep. And this, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot some animals when I'm down in Oklahoma and in Texas. Uh, same. So a lot of this will be my speculation of that broadhead. But it will. I've I've not put one through an animal, and I want to make sure everybody knows that. Um, and so uh, on the list, there's going to be uh, severs. We're going to talk about all three, the 1.5, 1.75, and 2.0. But as a whole, it's just going to be a sever, uh, you know, review. The swackers, I'm mostly going to be talking about the 261, I believe, which is the 2-inch, um, and the LRP system, uh, the Beast, the Evolution. And this is going to be their standard, not the the white tail or, or whatever version this is going to, which is two and a half. This is going to be their two inch version, but basically an evolution, um, review the spitfire, the dead meat and the mega meat, 
uh, and the Grim Reaper. That Grim Reaper, I have used the four blade before on Turkey, but this is going to be the Inch and Three Eighths Pro Series that I'm discussing. John, you might add. I don't know what all you've tested from them, but but the Inch and Three Eighths is the mechanical I'm going to discuss. Have you? Do you want to discuss any of their others? Uh, I I can. I've tested. I think all of them, or at least most of them. But yeah, the, the staple is the one and three eighths. And I, I've taken many animals with that. All of those heads I've taken animals with, except the, uh, the evolution, though I tested it, tested very well, but I haven't taken an animal with it. Oh, and the beast, I didn't take an animal with that, but tested it. Gotcha. And then on the fixed blade side, the cutthroat, cutthroat three blade, iron will wide and solid. And this is, uh, or excuse me, iron will vented and solid. Uh, and I'm going to discuss back and forth with the wide and, and the standard, uh, the annihilator, the Magnus Black Hornet and Stinger. And, and there's a couple different stingers that I've tested. There's a few slick tricks that I've tested. Um, and, 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 and I may not, again, that may be just a kind of a standard slick trick review. Um, I've had decent luck with those and I'll go into detail with a couple of them, but not all of them. Uh, the VPA three blade, um, and the evolution, do you, is there any from that you want to add to? Uh, I think you said there was one you had had tested recently. There's, yeah, I love testing new heads, right? Because people try to push the envelope, and sometimes they're humongous flops. And <laughs> I love doing that, too. But then sometimes you go, ooh, they're on to something. And Rob Schneider came out with, he started a new company, Trifecta, and came out with a new uh, modular head that can be swapped out between fixed blade and mechanical in the same ferrule and the fixed blade model tested extremely well like i was i was really surprised and i've tested it quite a bit i've taken animals with it as well but that's one that i would throw in there it's really new it's the trifecta fixed and they have different sizes and weights and so forth but it's definitely worth a look okay cool um well uh let's let's kick off the uh you know the mechanical portion of this and I think that um, on this mechanical portion, just be open-minded because they're all going to get beat up on a little bit and, and I have positives. So uh, I want to talk about the uh, dead meat and mega meat first. Um, with the uh, the dead meat and the mega meat, just mirror these. Uh, I'm not going to split them up because they're basically the same broadhead. One just has a bigger cutting diameter. Um, I would say uh, from my experience, those are one of the most accurate uh, mechanical broadheads I've ever tested. And I would say the mega meat is probably the most devastating broadhead with the applicable poundage and arrow weight that I have tested. Um, they, that mega meat is just devastating. Having said that I have never shot those through plywood without a blade falling off or breaking. Um, the Blue collar, the retention system is speculative at, at best and, and a little bit difficult. Uh, when you're hunting in brush, they can pop open really easy. I had one specific instance where I drew one back in a tree stand. I didn't know one of the blades had come loose. It hooked on the front of the riser. And so as I was aiming down, it pulled the arrow off my D loop and fell, fell down. Um, you know, fell down, literally fell down on the ground. The deer ran off. And the, um, the, the, the clip, when you reclip them, if you do that enough, it will open coming out of your bow if you weaken that clip enough. Um, but again, extremely accurate and very, very devastating, but a pain in the butt and not super durable. Again, 
they don't make it through plywood without, for me, when I'm shooting through three quarter ply without the blades breaking off. Before I go into any more in depth with that, John, you want to take it from there? Yeah, I, it's been my results exactly. It, flight, incredible. I mean, one of the most forgiving heads there is. The blades are extremely sharp, the ones I've tested, and have good edge retention. So they scored really high in both those areas. And the cut, not only is it a huge cut, you know, with a with such a wide, you know, three-blade, two-inch cut. I mean, but it, they open very well, by and large, on impact, you know, as a rear deploying, and they open really well. Those are some incredible strengths but man the durability wow i mean it's there's certain tests i do for durability then there's other tests i do in penetration and even in the penetration that aren't durability tests the blades just bent horribly and then in my durability tests i would lose a blade here the blades would bend all apart here and the ferrule was really strong yep. but the blades are just a significant weak point so it's you know it's what's important to you you know do you care about that durability or or not but that's its downfall so and, and i'll give you an example of of testing one of the reasons i feel they have a practice head is if you shoot that into a target and it opens, you're probably not getting your blades back when you pull it out. Um, and and I'm, I'm again, I'm not beating up this broadhead. Shoot that bad boy into a good 3D target and bury it with like an 80-pound bow, 500-grain arrow. It will be difficult to get the broadhead back out just because of how they're kind of not barbed but looking. You may not get all the blades back out, and they may not be straight when you do. So – that's how weak that system is. And I don't know if you found that, but like I shoot, I know people give me crap about this. I shoot my 3D targets with broadheads. Um, not all of them, but I, I do, I shoot them at 3Ds I sh and I have multiple like sever targets and matrixes and sometimes pulling that arrow out, the blade will come off or break off um, with that, that, that mega meat specifically. Um, did you ever have that? Happen with you? Absolutely. It, that exact thing happened in a target. And I specifically shot it into a target that was pretty well used to make it easier to pull out. But even in that, it just one of the blades just got bent. I mean, just like like a curly cue kind of a thing, just just pulling it out of the target. And I, you know, I know you're not shooting into an animal with a plan to pull it out, but hey, that is an issue when it comes to durability. Yeah. And so I, I am not going to, if you want to go to, go to, to go to John's YouTube page, if you want scores for these, because I think John and I are pretty much mirror image, I'm just going to give the highs and lows of these. And, and, and so is John, and obviously we're going to focus on those. And then again, as John has said, you choose by what's important to you. Now for me, I'm really not worried about that broadhead blowing up when you hit a rib. Scapula, probably not making it through a scapula unfazed. When I say probably not, I'd say I'd give it maybe 80-20 to the bad of it going through a scap. But I could be wrong with that. I've only had blades broke off a few times with those on does, and I tend to cater towards that scap, that shoulder. Um, but the big downfall for me, if I'm hunting in the brush and I, I'm knocked up a lot, that blade could come open and just loosen. And then when you fire the bow, especially a heavier poundage, it could potentially open. It definitely could affect your arrow flight greatly with one of those blades flopping around. So uh, that would be my downfall with those. As bad as the 
durability is, it's not as big of a concern as that clip and the blade opening in brush if you're if you're hunting on the ground. But durability is a close second to the potential uh, issues. Uh, Johnny, agree or disagree? Would you flip flop those? Would you be more worried about durability or that blade flopping open? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I haven't had that experience with the blade flopping open, but I have felt like, okay, when the, when those clips are, those rings are new, man, there's a nice little pop and it, it's, it's pretty snug. But after I do it a few times, like you said, it's, it's weaker than that. And so taking it in the field like that, you know, who, who knows what can happen, but I, I haven't tested that, but it intrigues me. Like I go, Oh, maybe I should start adding some sort of a test for that in my broadhead testing next year. You don't have to consider that. Yeah. And I mean, obviously like you're going to hear even worse issues with other broadheads about their retention system. that could be even more of a problem, but that being one. And yeah. as I say that, if someone said tomorrow, uh, Aaron, that you are going to need to go and you're going to hunt with the bone collector crew, what broadhead are you taking from G5? Oh, I'm taking the mega meat. I promise you like that thing is dead or the, the dead meat. Um, that's what I would, would be taking, but I would be cognizant of the things that we talked about. And, and, and I am one that will, with my, my bow set up, if we are hunting uh, close to private land, I will high shoulder shoot a deer without blinking an eye and definitely cater towards the scap. I don't worry about the shoulder too much. Um, but that is something to think that I would I would be cognizant of with this head, knowing it may come out looking like a pencil on the other end if it went through a, a scapula. Um, do you want to add? Yeah, and let me just add one. I, I want to add one comment kind of in general that there, there's this phrase one and done. And, you know, I understand what people mean, like, hey, it doesn't matter because it's a one and done broadhead. I'm not going to reshoot it anyway. Why do I care about durability? And, and I understand that. And there is a valid point being made. At the same time, I go, well, when is it done, quote unquote? You know, when, is it done on the first rib it hits? Is it done, you know, as it, as it impacts the height, if it hits a scapula, like you're saying, that makes a big difference. It's not like, oh, it went right through, it did awesome. And then it was done because it hit the dirt or the last little bit of tissue, it caused the blades to fail. If it, if it fails or breaks or bends horribly, in the very beginning, then man, you're not getting the big cut. You're not getting the penetration. You're not getting what you're getting that, what you're buying that broadhead for. And so that's why I think durability matters to keep its full cut and keep its full form and shape and edge all the way through the animal sets broadheads apart. Yeah. And I, I, I cannot um, stress what John said enough of, for some broadheads, I would agree that, okay, I have zero issue on durability because it made it through plywood twice, but not three times. That is enough of one and done that it's going to go through an animal. I'm probably not going to worry. Other broadheads, it's not making it through the plywood and one and done could be on the onside of the animal. So I, I appreciate you saying that because that's a hundred percent true. And I would say with the mega meat and the dead meat, the one and done, the done could possibly be on the onside of the animal before it, it goes through. And that's something to think about. The other thing on these price wise, not horribly priced. You can find them on sale, but, but on the higher end, they're 60 bucks for three. Sometimes you can find them for less. So you know, 20 bucks a broadhead. And I think they come with a practice tip. So 20 bucks a broadhead plus practice tip. Is that, have you paid attention to that? Yeah. 
Yeah, I do. I always put that in the description of every video. I put the test scores and then the price per broadhead because sometimes they come in a six pack or something. So I always put the price per broadhead and yeah, it's uh, it's moderately priced. Yep. Okay. So let's uh, move on to the Grim Reaper. Um, the Grim Reaper is not a broadhead I've talked about for a long time and I've sh- shot them a few different times over the last few years. Um, I had a bad, well, a couple bad um, experiences with them a long time ago, like when I met John a long time ago. So we're looking at now 14, 15 years ago, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I remember when I got them, Tim Wells was, you know, shooting them and like watch them drop. And I don't know the whole grim reaper dude and whatever. It was like a great sales pitch. Right. And then, uh, yeah, I shot an elk and it didn't open. And then I, I, at that time had two broadheads in my quiver. I was shooting a four blade whack them before the current owner's habit zipped a whack them through, got up there and had pencil holes about three inches to the, uh, beside where my, my exit went through my, my whack them exit went through, didn't open a year after that had a buddy use them. I was with them. Broadhead didn't open, but I will say some of the most gifted killers I know shoot Grim Reaper, Sam Davis, Henry Ferguson, um, uh, uh, Matt Bateman, uh, Kip Fowler, uh, Omni Warner, um, all use Grim and many other guys use them. I have not given given Grim Reapers their due diligence recently. So I'm basing this off of the testing I've done in the lab, a small amount on animals. And then again, Sam Davis is one of the most gifted killers I know, and he loves those things. So I'm going to stop talking for a minute. Why don't you give your thoughts on the Inch and Three Eights Pro Series um, is the one I'm we're covering here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'll say this just quickly. Grim Reaper, what I love about it, single owner, um, to my knowledge, I think that's correct. And so it hasn't been bought out by a big conglomerate. And they have more individual mechanical broadheads, models and shapes and sizes than any other company in the market. So there, there's something to that. You really can pick and choose what you want based on the animal that you're pursuing and your personal setup, your bow, you know, the energy you're generating and so forth. So I, I like that about Grim Reapers. I've used them on a lot of animals, turkeys, deer, hogs. And so I have a, you know, a bit of experience in the field. In, in, the, 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 in the testing, they fly typically very well. The blades are typically pretty good sharpness-wise and edge retention-wise. The penetration is a bit wanting with that front deploying uh, broadhead like that. And and the cups, especially on the 100 grain model, that the cups in the 100 in the 1 and 3 eighths 100 grain model, it, it is a weak point. Like when I shoot them into a hard impact like MDF, I personally like to use MDF rather than plywood because then I'm not it's it's consistent. I'm not going to hit a knot or you know well it it hit the grains in the wrong way or something like that. But even in MDF, which is not a too difficult of a test, that cup is broken most of the time. However, I just heard last night talking to somebody that they said they came out with a new model and of the one and three eighths inch Pro Series, and they've really strengthened that cup. So I just last night I sent an email to Matt saying, hey, can I get some of these because I'd be happy to do a test with a new model. So I'm intrigued. It'd be cool to see if they if they fix that. But I know a lot of people that swear by them. I, I, you know, that, that cup is a weakness, whether it happens in the field or not. You know, it, it's up to you to determine. 
but in my testing, it sure does. And then the other thing is, you know, what is the efficacy of a front deploying, over-the-top deploying broadhead? That's something that's really important to consider, that, you know, because you're getting a small entry. And if they don't open up fully and pass through fully, then you're just getting one hole and it's pretty small because they haven't opened yet. That's a drawback. Now, if you get a, a you know, pass through, then that back hole might be really big and that's awesome, but that's a big variable. Whereas a rear deploying mechanical, you're guaranteed pretty much at most of the time, at least one big hole. And if you get, you know, if it passes through, you get two big holes. So that's just something to consider. When I shoot a turkey, I oftentimes prefer a front deploying broadhead because if I shoot them, you know, in the rear, like right through those tail quills, and that's one of the toughest tasks of a broadhead there is. And with a little bitty entry hole, you know, hitting and impacting, it can penetrate through those quills and then open up and just drop the turkey. Where sometimes a rear deploying head, they may not even get through those quills fully or the blade will be really damaged by them. So there's places where I like a, a front deploying broadhead, but by and large to stack the odds in my favor, I prefer rear deploying, that's just me. And one, the one thing I want to add to this, and I need to go back to the dead meat and mega meat, the, the glance off uh, aspect of this with rear deploying, uh, and I say this backwards sometime, but with rear deploying, the chance of a, a glance or a bounce off with a mechanical, meaning a steep angle on an animal, I have seen on more than one occasion, the, the arrow hits the animal and pivots off of it with forward deploying. With rear deploying, that does not happen. Am I saying that backwards? No, I'm saying that correctly. You, you said it backwards in the beginning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I do. It's a horror. I do it all the time. Um, <laughs> so with something like a dead meat, the glance off uh, aspect, if 10 was never going to happen and one was happening all the time, they're up at a nine or eight. It's just not probably going to happen. When you go to a Grim Reaper, they they any that that the deploy like a Grim Reaper have a higher probability of a bounce off on a steep angled shot because as it hits and that blade deploys, you're changing the point of aim, point of impact, and can alter the flight of the arrow as the broadhead is opening. And I don't know, I don't think you do tests on that. And the other day I was videoing. And I'll send you some because I don't want everybody to see, um, you know, and it, it was plywood and then I did plywood and carpet and then I did 3D targets because you're not shooting plywood. So you're going to glance off all the time with plywood. But it was as I changed the angle at one point in time, they stuck in and how much it affected, because if it went in the same angle from the point I shot to where I was aiming, great. But you will see that the arrow will not be with um, the rear deploy. Am I saying the forward deploying? The arrow will bounce or or deploy and go through the plywood and be at a different path than you shot it. Um, did I make sense of that, John? You want to? Yeah, that that did make sense. And I did do a test for that, Aaron. I, I you said do do. I did it this whole. <laughs> I I I do a test for that, and but but I haven't really liked the test. Okay, I use MDF and uh, and carpet, and I put it at a forty five degree angle. But what and and like ninety nine percent of heads do fine with that at at a forty five degree angle. I know I could make that angle, you know, thirty degrees or something. It might be different. But what I found is the rotation 
of how that head hits. Like, are the blades hitting flush? Are the blades hitting at an angle? Makes a huge that difference. Makes a difference. Yeah. And so with that, I kind of go, I don't really like the the efficacy of my test in that regard. But by and large, the, the, if it's a front deploying or over the top deploying broadhead and those blades are close to the tip, that's where you can run into the problem because they, they kick out, you know, it, it does alter, it can alter the path of impact like that. And, and with, and with the Grim Reaper, that, that is a probability or a possibility. Now, Having said that, and, and like I said, being honest with not using them as much, just from the friends I have that shoot them, I will shoot them tomorrow and not blink an eye. I mean, just there's just too many people using them that I know are not paid that have had great success. Um, so I, you know, it's it's a broadhead I need to use more. Um, and, and again, like it's a good product; they do well on the penetration side. You were a little more polite than I was going to be borderline horrible. Um, and when I say that, I, I, again, like everyone's getting picked on here when you take, when I have a redneck test, uh, trad lab does much better. I take a two by four, I drill a hole in the top. I put an arrow in that hole and then I screw the broadhead on the top and I put it on a scale. I take various different things from the height of an animal and I just push down and whatever it takes to open that, I just look at the number on the scale and it tells me how much it takes to open. That number is quite alarming with some mechanicals. I, they suck momentum. And the Grim Reaper does take a bit to deploy the broadheads fairly high, which is why the penetration, one of the reasons why the penetration is not great. And if you go and you take a two-blade fixed blade, it may take eight pounds to go through it may take 58 pounds to go through on a mechanical. And that test is hard to, um, they're all going to go through an animal if you hit them right or, or should if with the right setup. But if you're pushing the limits of a lower poundage setup or a, a, a lighter arrow and lower poundage setup, those things really, really matter. And, you will watch on TV shows at times where people hit animals and you're just like, where's the penetration? You pinwheeled it. Generally, they're shooting a momentum sucking broadhead and it just slows down so much hitting a rib in the hide that you're just going to get the penetration. I shoot fairly heavy poundage and a fairly a, a moderate to heavy arrow. Not as big of a deal, but that can be huge when you're looking at broadheads and the Grim Reaper does take some some ass out of the arrow when it hits to deploy. Yeah. You know, I, here's my, I agree with that, but I give it a couple caveats. Okay. One is I think what happens kind of at a, at a slow speed isn't always necessarily what's going to happen at a high speed. It's not, it's not a linear connection there. And I I've seen some heads that penetrate, I mean, it, like say even a fixed blade, like a three to one Ashby style two blade head, man, that takes so little force to press through hide or something like that. But with that extra long blade, there's so much more surface area that now you've created, you've introduced surface friction. And depending on the medium that you're penetrating through, uh, man, that, that can really affect penetration. Dude, you so just an initial cut, go ahead. No, no, I don't need to interrupt, but I'm really glad you br you brought this up. Go ahead. 
Yeah. And so people don't understand that. If you just test it, like pushing it through something, you go, man, this thing penetrates really well. You shoot it at high speed and the friction it generates with that extra long blade is now impeding the penetration. It's the very same factor that happens in flight. You're getting the air friction and there's so much more surface area that those are less forgiving in flight the longer they are by and large because there's more surface area. And so the same thing happens not in every medium, like in, in animal, you know, meat, so to speak, you get through that, you know, the, the tissue tends to retract, like it pulls away from the blade, like in, in gel or cardboard, it doesn't. Well, in, in bone, in some types of bone and in other types of tissue and hide, it may not retract like that as well. So it, it, it really is something to consider when, when it comes to that. So it's, so with that test, I think the, the fact that the speed does make a difference, like, like, like think of it this, it makes a difference from the friction that it induces as well as it makes a difference just in the impact. Like yeah. if you jump into a pool, two feet off the side of the pool, man, you go right through it. You jump in 200 feet and man, you smack and that water tension is very different. Like there's different dynamics that happen at different speeds. And so it's it, the slow pushing test is not always a great test. Traditional bows do because they, you know, they have really heavy, you know, slower bows. And so it matters a bit more to them at super high compound speeds I don't think it's as much of a factor. It is a factor, but I don't think it's as much as people think. And one of the things that you're bringing up now, I'm definitely going to bring up on the fixed blade side of things is the length of the arrow, or excuse me, the length of the broadhead. I have found, and I do not hope that Ashby people message me, but when an, an arrow hits, and generally most of the Ashby guys, not all, especially with the ranch Dude, uh, fairy guy, uh, the bass fisherman, uh, diving in on this stuff. When you have a longer broadhead and it hits muscle, if the animal reacts, and there's an arrow attached to this, obviously. So when an animal reacts and its muscles are moving with a shorter or longer broadhead, I have found that the momentum or the, the point of aim, point of impact will change because as that that's going through... It's shifting the uh, course of trajectory greatly and slowing down penetration. Um, so when you have a three to one, everything you said, I agree with, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, but with all of these broadheads and how they open, how long they take to open, what the animal does, anytime when you hear somebody say, man, I, I pinwheeled it, uh, but I got horrible penetration. A lot of times when you watch the video, you'll see that animal's shoulder kick back right when the broadhead hits and deflect the, the course of flight, which greatly affects penetration and momentum because that is stopping the flight of the arrow and altering that flight path and, and, and inevitably or, or potentially stopping all momentum because the shoulder is stopping that. And you, you might be able to explain that a little better. I've seen that be affected more on three to one heads than shorter heads. Oh, that you know, there's no question about that. It's the same thing like with the drawaway rest, right? I mean, versus a whisker biscuit that they drop away. And so they're in contact less long. The shaft is in contact with the rest for a shorter period of time. And so it's more forgiving. But any little movement in your wrist and your bow arm 
while it's going through a whisker biscuit, man, that can veer it off course. It's it's a similar, it's a lot less, but it's a similar dynamic that happens with longer broadhead. The longer it is, the more likely little lateral forces from movement, reaction can veer it off course. Doesn't mean it's gonna happen every time, but it is something to consider. No, for for sure. Um, Okay, moving on uh, before we get sidetracked on the Ashby uh, stuff for the three to one. Um, (laughs) So the next one up is the the Schwacker, and with the the Schwacker broadhead, obviously I'm I'm very good friends with Levi Morgan. I've shot my bull last year. I shot with a Schwacker. I've shot a ton of stuff with Schwackers. you know, the, the number one, um, downfall that I would say schwackers have, or what, you know, anybody, if anybody complains about them is, is the entry hole. Um, they, they open up after entry and it, John, go ahead and take it on the schwacker. And then I'll throw my two cents in after that, because, um, I've had great luck with them. I have great feedback from them. And I also have horrible feedback from them. Um, I'm going to throw the field portion in of this or, 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 you know, as you're shooting at animals, but go ahead and take it from there on the, the lab side of things. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. It's a classic example of strength and weakness. Everything's a trade-off. So on a strong side, you have a really long tip that can penetrate in deeply. So an angling shots, you, that tip is going in a bit before the blades deploy. That that's a strength when it, you know in, in keeping it from cartwheeling or veering off of an angled shot. And as a strength, you have at least a one inch cut. Okay, because the blades in the closed position are one inch, so you're getting that one inch cut, at least a one inch two blade cut. Another advantage is that when the the fr- the front blades deploy or the front blades like they're in a fixed position when they hit they then open up and there's a blade they call the virgin blade that then kind of moves forward. It's propelled forward or propelled backward. And then that becomes the leading cutting edge, the main cutting edge. And so that has not been, it's not been dulled by hide. It's not been dulled in your quiver at all. It, because it's, it's penetrating through the hide before it deploys. So those are the strengths on the negative side, you're getting a pretty small little one inch slit in an animal on entry. And so it'll cause a, a good amount of internal damage. And if you get a pass through, man, you're gonna have a big exit hole. But if you just get that entry hole, it's gonna be pretty small. And if you don't get a, a, a pass through, then you might have a really poor blood trail. No, correct. Um, well, how did that test, how did the Swacker do in, in your test? Um, you know, sharpness was really good. Uh, penetration. Okay. This is the funny thing about penetration in my penetration test. I test like how far it, it penetrates any portion of the broadhead. So the last inch and a half is this like nail size tip. So you're getting like extra penetration. The blades aren't cutting that much tissue compared to heads where the blades are much closer to the top you're getting, you're actually cutting more tissue with that penetration. So it's a bit of a, you know, kind of give and take, like on a good side, okay, it penetrates decently. Bad side, the last inch and a half of that is just with this little nail size tip. And so it's not really actual blade cutting. That's a negative thing. Durability wise, it, it, it's been a mixed bag for me. Like the blades, you know, stay intact. I shoot them through the MDF. Typically they stay intact. I shoot them through steel plate. Typically they stay intact. That ferrule being so long and thin and vented 
sometimes on, on, well, most, I guess maybe every time on the concrete has either bent pretty bad or it's broken. And okay, concrete, what's the efficacy of a concrete test? We don't hunt concrete. You know, the number of times I hear that, I get it, but that's a straight on test. And that test of the ferrule on an angled impact, the ferrule strength is very different. And so sometimes I found heads that hold up very well to concrete, but then I hit a, a, a femur of a hog at an angle and man, it bends terribly. And so it's not fair to say concrete tests don't matter because nothing's that hard in an animal. Man, an animal can be even more damaging at times, not most of the time, but at times. And that's a negative of the swacker. But but overall, you know, it's like you're saying, all these heads you're talking about, they're all like been around and, and they're popular for a reason because they really do work. And I, you know, I wouldn't have any hesitancy, like you said, with Grim Reaper, um, it, you know, and any head we're talking about here today, I, I could screw it on and feel really comfortable shooting it. But I want to know those issues and those drawbacks. And do I have enough poundage? And is the animal small enough with my poundage to be able to give me a good chance at a pass-through? I want a good chance at a pass-through. Doesn't mean I'm always going to get it, but I want the biggest cut I can get and the best chance at a pass-through I can get. This gives you a small entry cut and, you know, maybe it'll poke out the other side, but I don't know if I'm getting a good chance at a pass-through with it. That's just my issues. And and when you when you look at that and putting things in context, like in the field, if you hit an animal... Um, a single or double lung, um, you know, and you hit it lower, you're going to get blood fairly quickly, less, less than 40 yards. You're going to get blood out of one or both sides when you have a low entry. Um, you know, when you have a higher entry, one or both sides, it's going to take longer for the body cavity to fill up and have blood going out of the hole. If you have a high entry with a schwacker with one entry hole, or it's with one entry, with one hole, the entry, It'll be, it could be quite some time before you see blood on the ground, um, you know, p- potentially a hundred yards or more with a smaller hole. And, you know, obviously kind of, you know, covering it or, or doubling up on what John was saying. If, if you hit that animal and you're in fairly thick brush and let's say it's a white tail and you hit it fairly high, it will be quite some time before you see any blood. In fact, you will probably find the animal dead before you find any blood, um, with that small, you know, entry hole. And those are things to, you know, to think about, you know, having said that I've, I've shot a ton of animals with, with the, the, the schwacker and you're, you're guaranteed an inch hole. Uh, but if you're someone that is, um, maybe not great at blood trailing, um, not shooting, you know, a, a fairly beefy setup, not having that entry hole is going to be something to really consider. With the the, the more positive sides of this, they are very accurate. Uh, they do penetrate re- relatively yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, they, they're good. I mean, they're, they're solid. Um, they do penetrate yeah. well, um, fairly easy to use. They're not, they're, you just slide this lit little yellow rubber band. They also have this little turquoise plug, but the little little yellow band over the top, they're easy to deal with in the quiver. They don't rattle at all. Um, you know, when I say they don't rattle at all, they are a very quiet broadhead in the quiver where something like a sever is louder. The biggest question you're going to have with the, and the durability is not horrible. Um, and you, when I say not horrible, they will break it takes a lot. They don't break immediately. Like, I don't, I don't know. Did I didn't look at your schwacker of you. Um, where would you rate them on durability? 
Um, I forget the exact score, but they, they've done better, especially in the last couple of years, they've done better than they used to. And like their blade retention in hard impacts has been pretty good. And so I'd say they're probably for a mechanical, definitely they're above average in durability, by no means the most durable, but not the, the least durable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, I would, I would say, you know, right there. So I have, and I would continue, you know, hunting with the Schwacker, uh, the LRP system. I really like that system. Um, you know, I've, I've just gotten to use that recently. Um, on the Buffalo hunt, I use the LRP system, um, you know, penetration wise, again, they're not going to be the most penetrating broadhead. They don't do a horrible job, but they don't, you know, they're, they're, they're good all the way around. I get a lot of good feedback about them. Failure wise, I don't get much for failures, meaning catastrophic failures, um, in feedback from people, um, you know, meaning like some broadheads, I do see catastrophic failures. The, the, the broadhead closes, something blows up or whatever. You don't get that a lot with Schwacker, very little. Have you gotten much feedback on those with, with catastrophic failures? No, it's just the small entry and the penetration has been the biggest negative that I've heard. Yep. Yep. For sure. So, um, but again, it's going to be that entry hole. Now uh, they're great in the quiver. They're easy to deal with. They're easy to replace the blades on. Probably not going to, you know, the, the fair, I mean, they, they will bend as far as like, if you put, um, they're not a, the, the strongest feral in the world, but uh, the blue model, which is the Levi Morgan series that I shot tested relatively well in everything I did. Um, and it's a great broadhead. It's one I would tell anyone to shoot. You just need to make sure you know about that entry hole. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you that the Levi Morgan with those curved blades, it definitely tested better in the, in the, uh, ribbed feral tested better than any of the other models. Like it costs a little bit more, but it, it's funny because when you shoot the other ones, the regular ones, the straight blades into a really hard medium, they end up curving back just like the Levi Morgan already comes. And that really does increase. It helps with penetration and durability. So um, yeah, I really like the Levi Morgan of the Schwacker of, of all of them the most, his series. Yeah, yeah. And that is the one I guess I should have said that I'm talking about specifically is the uh, the Levi Morgan series. So th they did really well. Uh, again, I shot my bull with them last year on a frontal, buried to the fletches. Probably the most devastating blood trail I've ever had on a frontal. You're going to get that. And it was a low frontal. So, um, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add to those? No, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So... Let's move on um, to the Spitfire. The Spitfire has been around for 1990, 98, maybe 99. Um, I yeah, it was early. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, it it it's a it's been out forever. Um, it's killed a ton of different animals. I know a lot of guys that use them. Um, you know, they don't have a rubber band. Well, this is going fairly smooth. You hit your portion, then I'll hit mine um, on on the Spitfire as far as the field use or or some of the things in the field. Yeah, flight wise does very good because the blades are in a very closed position in flight with very little surface area. Um, it is a front deploying or over the top deploying head, so you're going to get a small entry hole 
There's no question about that. And the blades are rel- the, the blade ends in the closed position are relatively close to the tip, not super close, but they're relatively close. So it could have a little bit of a, you know, kickback on its extreme angled shot. Um, and the, the blades are typically, they, in my testing, they've been pretty sharp. Um, although I did one test and the blades were just, you know, remarkably dull. I was kind of surprised with that. But by and large, they're pretty sharp. You're going to get that small entry and then they, you know, they um, swing back and then you get, you know, more devastation as the head goes through. So like any uh, classic over-the-top deploying head, that small entry, if you don't get an exit, then you're, you know, you may not get a really great, great blood trail. If you do get an exit, then the blades are going to be open to their full position, and you're probably going to get a lot of blood like that. But that's just the the negative of an over-the-top to plane mechanical. And but but by and large, they're just decent heads. I, I think I think they've stayed around. They have their their staying power for good reason. They really can get the job done. A lot of people have used them. I've used them in the field and they've done relatively well. At the same time, I do think uh, things have evolved a bit beyond them. And I think uh, my personal opinion, there's, there's better choices that, that minimize the, the negatives, but there's not like terrible things about the head. Oh, and I love that they don't have any O-rings. I mean, there's a good strength to that. There's no O-rings, there's no clips. You don't have to mess with any of that. They're secure in flight. At the same time, they do take quite a bit to open them up. That's the negative of not having an O-ring like that. So again, it's a good example of everything's a trade-off in broadhead design. No, it is. And I mean, they're, the way that that opens with that big flat foot, um, it has a high probability for bounce off on extreme angled shots. It, it is a bit of a momentum sucker. Um, it, it, it is not something you want to lose, use with lower poundage. Um, it will get the job done just like any of these. One of the reasons I put it on here was it has stood the test of time for one. It's, it's been around forever. Um, and you know, two, I've shot animals with it and I mean, you can get them anywhere. It's like a 308 round. I mean, they have them at Walmart. They, they have them everywhere. Um, you know, so it's something to look at. It's not something that I recommend ever, ever. But as I say that, if someone said they shoot spitfires and they're, I'm guiding them, I'm not freaking out over it. Like I might on some other, you know, mechanical broadhead or, or a fixed, um, Depending upon, you know, if they're shooting 70 pounds and they're 28 plus inch draw length, you know, they're going to be fine. If I saw somebody show up with a 26, seven inch draw length shooting, you know, 55, 60 pounds, I might throw some reservations out on certain animals, but, but a good head all the way around and, and cheap, fairly, fairly inexpensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the next one up, um, which is a ton of controversy, controversy is the beast broadhead. Um, with that broadhead, the, you know, the controversy, obviously with, with Josh and Sarah going through everything they've done. Um, the moment I posted about it, you know, I got, I didn't have to delete too many comments, but I, I, I guess I wasn't, you know, I, I just, it's a product that I wanted to test. A lot of people have asked about it. Josh put a lot of work into it. And so leaving out whatever your feelings are with that portion of it, I just want to focus on the actual broadhead, you know, and I was trying to explain that to people, um, with this broadhead, it is very unique. It is very new. Um, there's been a lot of R and D going into it. It is in, and using very, very high end components from the springs to the blades. And, um, 
my testing with this um, has been for a week. So, you know, keep that in mind with people listening in a week and a half. Um, I went through 15 of, no, 12 of them in testing. And, you know, one of the reasons I, I gave this maybe a little bit harder uh, test was the potential blowback if something went wrong because of the position the Bomars are in and, and some of the hatred that they get. And so I, I put this one through some extent, very extensive testing, but go ahead and go through like your findings. Cause it did fairly well for you. It did do fairly well. And it just, it, there's so many unique things about it. I mean, unique. There's, there's other heads that have used the spring technology, you know, the Zeus and the Zeus Hera have used that as well as BIP has used that, but they use this, you know, there's a, a spring that, is in the compressed position, and it's a rear deploying head. As it penetrates, then these little uh, these little wing butt deployment arms are activated, and then that spring is activated, and bam, you know the uh, the blades deploy with 15 pounds of stored energy. And Josh says it it uh, they deploy at greater than the speed of sound, like 750 miles an hour or something. Certainly, I can't quantify that in any of my testing, but you know there's an extra boost to their deployment. I, you know, looked at him and I thought, man, there's a good likelihood these blades are going to break in the MDF or in uh, in in the steel plate, and they didn't. And I was really surprised. I think that curved blade, that you know, they're curved uh, in the open position, and that curve really does help with penetration and edge retention. Oh, they were super sharp. Matter of fact, that was the sharpest blade. I have this uh, this sharpness tester where you press the, the blade against a copolymer wire and the amount of pressure it takes uh, to, to in, in pounds or grams of force to cut through the wire indicates its sharpness. And it was, I think, the sharpest I've ever tested. And then I tested again after one of my penetration tests to see what the edge retention was, and it hadn't lost any edge. So the blades, it, you know, it scored well with that. The flight, it scored well with that. Um, and the durability, it scored relatively well with that. In the concrete, the, the ferrule broke. Uh, you know, it's an aluminum ferrule, and it, it just kind of it cut in half. That's not rare. I mean, that's not common in – that's not – that's not rare. Yeah, that happens pretty often with a, a lot of different broadheads. So that's not a pass-fail thing. That's only 3% of my overall score. And the penetration was, it was, you know, it was decent. You know, it, was, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't awful. It was decent penetration. Um, the blade deployment, it, you know, it's a gator-style head. You know, these little, these little deployment arms cause the blade to open, and they don't they don't lock open. There's no locking mechanism. Like in most gator blades, there's no locking mechanism. And so what can happen in certain mediums, like when I shoot it, I shoot it through MDF and then it goes into gel. It opens initially and then the blades, they close in gel. That's really common with the gator style head. That doesn't necessarily mean that's going to, what's going to happen with an animal because there's a consistent pressure in, in kind of a stickiness to the gel that can cause these heads to not stay open. And then I tested it, it's opening through a cardboard box with hide stretched across it. And it actually opened fairly well, not to its complete two inches, but like one and three quarter inches. By the back of the box, it was just a small little box, like three inches deep, or, yeah, about three inches deep. It, it had opened to two and a half inches and it was a two inch head. 
So, you know, the opening in my testing was was decent, given it's a gator style head and they don't lock in the open position. And the, the design is once the blade is deployed, once the spring is deployed, the blades are deployed, then you can kind of, the, the blades have a bit of give. So, because that spring, it compresses the spring. So if you, the, the idea is if you hit something really hard, that blade is gonna retract just a little bit and then it's going to quickly spring forward because of the power of the spring. It's going to spring forward after. So it keeps it going straight. And it also is designed to help with penetration. Say it impacts a scapula or something like that. And say it makes it through. It doesn't have to cut the scapula the full two inches. It may just cut it. They may shrink back to one inch, but then spring forward at the after they pass through that scapula. And it's by design. So like when I shot it through steel plate, the holes are, you know, they're pretty small. They're about an inch. But then afterwards, into the target, they were already fully deployed. So it's just like they, they said in that regard. So, you know, with this, um, with this head, um, one of the, th- the, the, you know, I, uh, so I had, you know, listening, I, I watched Josh shoot a ton of different stuff in Africa. And, you know, anytime like, you know, I, I hear about, you know, crazy penetration, you know, you're with a mechanical broadhead, the beast did not penetrate as good as other broadheads I had tested. It wasn't horrible, but, it, you know, it wasn't as high. I, I Let's see. I'm, I know there was multiple broadheads that penetrated a little bit better. And it sounds like you found basically the same results with that. Same thing. And then also it's important to understand that with that penetration, not being great. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't great, but that's what the blades largely retracting. So it was not only not the best penetration, but it was also a pretty small hole yep. and it stayed pretty small. So I docked at points in that. And, you know, like I'll either give a bonus for extra intangibles or I'll dock it for things. And I docked it for that because say like in the MDF and gel, it penetrated a certain amount, but the blades were closed after the MDF. And so of course it's going to penetrate better than other heads because it's not cutting as much tissue. Same thing happened in the cardboard. So, you know, it penetrated decently, but the blades weren't fully open in those penetration tests. Okay. Yeah. And you're same same thing I'm finding now. Uh, it was relatively durable um, through most testing. Now, when I say relatively durable, when I did the horizontal uh, pressure test where I put the broadheads in a vise, um, one third up from the tip, which is where I feel the most important portion there. And then obviously at the, the shank, um, I put it there and then I went up on an, I put an Eastern axis arrow on and then the redneck testing, but I went up to the label and I manufactured a Prusik knot. And then I took my last chance bow scale and then I would just pull and, and see until the, the broadhead snapped. It, it did not do well at that. And you know, on some of the broadheads, I didn't do this with fixed blades because it wouldn't, it would have broke the scale. Like fixed blades obviously are going to be more durable. Maybe not with all of them. Mm-hmm. Actually, vented blades break really easy. So you look like an iron wheel vented. That actually broke with, you know, the tip off with really low, um, you know, sideways or horizontal pressure. Now, to give you an idea, uh, I do know now that they're working on increasing the strength of this um, on some of the testing with that the beast um it broke with side horizontal pressure at 9.8 pounds 
and other broadheads were 40 to 50 pounds of horizontal pressure. One of them was eight, no, two of them were 80 plus. And with the first one that I tested, and this was after, before and after shooting. So on this test, this was after shooting them through plywood several times. Did that degrade the broadhead or not? I don't know. I was just, you know, screwing around. That was the median I had used to go through plywood. I guess it was three times and then horizontal test. So where is that applicable to an animal? In many cases, it is not applicable going through an animal. In other ones, if it hits the scapula, if they're shifting, things like that, it's going to be much more uh, applicable. Now, you know, with, you know, there's going to be people with this broadhead because of the Bomars, there's going to be people looking at this objectively. There's people who aren't going to be looking at it at all and just hate on it. And there's other people that are going to be fans of Bomars that are going to love it without testing it. I don't think it's a bad broadhead. They're onto something. I think it's a great option. I wouldn't have any issue hunting with it, but there's going to be negative sides like with anything. Um, I, the sharpness of the blades was probably the most impressive thing to me. Um, and it sounds like your findings are probably the, and the edge retention. Yeah, they did well in that too. I mean, they use a German Lutz blades, you know, like, like steel or that, uh, slick trick had used. And so those are known for that. And yeah, they did very well as advertised. Yep. Is there anything you want to add on those? I would just say the same thing. I got so much feedback I think, of course, many people love the Bomars. I got so much negative feedback. And I, I just told people, listen, I'm testing the head, not the heart. <laughs> I'm not, I'm just not diving into that whole saga. I'm just testing broadheads. And, you know, so that's why I stuck to that. Yeah, good idea. Um, and, and again, like, to, you know, to me with, with the testing of the broadhead, someone has to test it because people are going to buy it. And that's the way I look at it. Now, Again, like I had people message me, uh, you're friends with Josh, it's going to win. And I'm like, well, I'm better friends with Levi than anyone. And I've been friends with Dale Perry forever. And so, again, that shows kind of the human dynamic of this. And, you, you know, I mean, I, I was like, man, people are going to buy this broadhead. People are asking the question, same as you, test the broadhead. I like testing stuff. So sticking to that, would you hunt with this broadhead? I would sure give it a try uh, with how it performed in my testing, which I know, you know, static tests, you know, or, or set tests, they, they can only do so much, but it did well enough that I go, okay, I'm really curious to see how that is going to perform on an animal. And I would surmise that by and large, it's going to perform quite well on an animal. That would be my overall conclusion. Definitely has its, it, its drawbacks, its weaknesses, but it has some really interesting strengths that I'd like to see uh, how they're quantified in the field and, you know, how they, how they perform in the field. So yeah, I would certainly give it a try. Now ask me after I've shot a few animals with it and we'll see what I would say, but I, I, I feel pretty confident that it would do pretty well. Yeah. And I, again, I, I don't, I think it would do well at lower poundage. It would do okay. But you know, I mean, the, the, the bottom line with any of these broadheads is no one's going to win every category. And th this specific broadhead, the number one, I thought downfall was the horizontal pressure that it could snap. Um, you know, Josh shot a ton of animals in Africa with this, you know, failure wise. I know people that hunted at that place after Josh and were very, 
mm, open with me on the fact that they were like, no, he, he shot five animals with one broadhead. Like they were like, no, no, he was not lying. Like, you know, and I, not that I thought he was lying, but you know, they're filling me in like, you know, and, and the, the blood trails and the broadhead did well. So that, you know, that says a lot to me coming from the pHs and things like that, that, that it did very well. You know, is it the broadhead for you? Is it going to fix an issue for you? Is that edge retention a big deal? Is the sharpness a big deal? But it does not win in every category. It does well in a couple categories, but but it does is not going to win at every one. Um, but it not a not a bad broadhead. Yep. Yep. All right. So you got anything you want to add as we're we're already hitting an hour and a half here. Good no, Lord. no, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, no, no broadhead can do very well in all of them, but I will say it it did well enough that I go, oh man, it got a really high score. And when stuff scores really high, then like, especially if it gets above 90, then I go, man, I'm using it in the field. And I've never had one that scores in the nineties that then I use it in the field. And I'm like, man, that thing sucked. I, I've just never had that be the case. It could be, but I haven't had that be the case. I like what you said about the ferrule because that was an issue in the concrete. Um, you know, it, it snapped, but that's a straight on impact. And then again, Two shot. It went the same broadhead went through three shots into half inch MDF and then pulled out of the target, which was no simple chore. And no. then two shots through twenty two gauge steel plate and pulled out of the target, which was no simple chore. And it was still going fine. It's still the blades. They they close properly. They open properly. I did not expect that. I thought the spring was going to be a weak point. And it just, it wasn't, I was really impressed with that kind of durability. So that's enough for me to want to test it in the field for sure. So adding, adding to that, my initial testing, and I'm probably going to do a separate, um, well, I'm not probably, I'm going to, I'm going to go going to do a separate and we can hop on together after we've shot some animals with it. I shot through three leg bones and through plywood six times and I broke a blade. That's very respectable. Um, and when I say I had two direct impacts with the laid bone and two that kind of just blew it up, but didn't go directly through the middle of the leg bone. Now with that, and then going through, you know, plywood, uh, I think it was on the sixth time the blade broke. Um, that's respectable. I have no issues with that. The feral had zero issues at all going through that. Pulling them out of a target is not my favorite thing in the world to do. One is still in. Cause I got, <laughs> I just unscrewed it. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done. Um, I couldn't get it out on the one target. And it, 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 that is something to think about because they may not come out of your target. And if they do, you possibly could reef it out right into your calf muscle. You've got to be careful pulling them out. <laughs> it's true. You know what I found is if I rock it as I'm pulling, man, it was like so much easier. It was just like rock it according, you know, in the, in the you know parallel plane as the blades because it, they could come out at an angle. So if I angled and pulled left, right, left, right, then I'm like, oh, came right out. That, that Not came right out, but if you just pull straight, I, I just thought, man, these blades are going to break off and they're stuck in my target. And what am I going to do then? I can't shoot other things into it because then the, the broadhead will get damaged and it'll look like the broadhead's cheap, but it hit Josh's head in the middle. But rocking it really did help. Yeah, and I I, I I got that from rocking on the one target. Uh, and then the other target, the rocking was not getting it done. And I literally just unscrewed it and left it in. I marked it with a Sharpie the whole. I was like, I'll jam an arrow in later and, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't have too much more to add to that. It's a good broadhead. Um, and when I say good, like you said, it tests extremely well. 
Only downside to me, like the major downside again, was that horizontal pressure. Um, but I'm gonna, I can't speak any more of that until I put the arrow through a bunch of animals. And you may ask me in six months, it could be the winner. You could ask me in six months, and it might be a flop. I think you're kind of in the same opinion. At this point, I have no idea, but I have high hopes. Yeah, well said. Um, okay, on to the next. Um, the Sever Broadhead, uh, the Sever for John and I, I think have both have been probably the highest rate rated broadhead. Um, and the one that I, uh, well, Evolution and Sever are the ones that I usually are telling people to buy, um, you know, more than anything else. And definitely Sever is what I've, I've shot a ton of animals with. Um, you know, with, with the Sever, they offer a 1.5, a 1.75, and a 2-inch. Um they test extremely well in everything. But before I go into the field use, some of the pros and cons downfalls, go at John, do your thing on, on what you found. Yeah. First of all, flight in the closed position is like second to none. I mean, there is so little surface area exposed that, you know, you can, you can really do well with flight. If I've got a really long shot, man, when I say they're like my field points, I mean, man, they're as close as anything I've ever tested to be in like my field points. They're just incredibly accurate. And then you can shoot them in the closed position um, and, and not ruin the blades. That's kind of nice. They come with a screw. You can screw it in there. You don't need a practice head. You can just shoot it. Though you do, you know, the foam in certain targets can kind of get in there in the ferrule and rub on the blade a little bit. So you still want to touch it up before you hunt with it. You want to make sure you take that screw out or you're not going to get any opening with it. Um, one of the unique things about there's two unique things. The, the back end of the blades, like they, they, they touch each other and they, like there's literally deployment arms swing back and they touch each other. And then that creates, that allows them to pivot. And so as they penetrate it, the idea is if one blade hits against a bone, a lot of two blade broadheads veer off course. I've had it happen with fixed blade heads. I've had it happen with mechanicals. They can veer off course. You go, man, I put it right in the boiler room and it came out the the the, the back hip or something. What happened? That that can happen, but with a sever that's mitigated because that blade, one blade can swing closed. Now that makes that cut a little bit smaller because one blade is closed, but the other blade swings more open when it's when the other one's closed. So you're getting a little more cut on the other side. And then the pressure right after it passes that bone swings back to homeostasis, right, right back in. And then they're both like, you know, right in there together. It, that's a, that's a strength. The other thing about that, it, and that's a strength and weakness. I'll come back to that. But the other thing with those, those little deployment arms interlocking in the back is that there's, this is one of the most unique things in, in any mechanical head that they, they touch but in a really hard impact, if both blades hit something really hard at the same time, then that back part can kind of like the two blades overlap and it absorbs some of the energy keeping the blade from breaking. And so I've shot, when it comes to durability, man, I've shot that, bro. I've done like tons of like knockout durability tests. Every mechanical I have in my in my in my my drawer, I'll throw it out there and test it with a bunch of stuff. Sever always wins. Like I've put one sever through eleven shots into a scap an elk scapula, a dried elk scapula, and some of them were like in the really thick part. And and the twelfth one, a bit of the tip 
chipped off. You know, it's titanium. There's a big spark. A little bit came off on a 12th shot. I've shot one 1.5 into concrete three times, and it's still going strong. Put it through steel plate, 22 gauge steel plate, five times, and it's still going strong. Like it, it's just it's second to none in terms of durability. Like that, the 1.5 has a little bit fatter ferrule. It's a little bit shorter. And so that makes that ferrule a little bit stronger than the others. And so those are some of the the real – oh, and then it, it uses an O-ring. In some ways, it's not my favorite. In other ways, I don't mind it. You know, if I, if I have like a foam quiver and push it in, then it can cause the blades to open a little bit. That, that bugs me. But I have one of their quivers that – that doesn't have the foam thing. And so you can stick it in really hard and it, and it doesn't open like that. So, you know, I can, I can mitigate that. And then, um, and then, but one of the negatives, that, oh, there's a couple of negatives. The strengths oftentimes are also a weakness. So the, the, the negatives with the strength of it being able to pivot the blades, sometimes on an angled shot, you, you hit it and the, that one blade in a good way, it's not going to kick it out but it's going to kind of swing close. And so, yeah, it'll penetrate, but you get in a smaller entrance hole. And so that's kind of a negative to it. If both blades hit at pretty much the same time, oh, this is another unique strength. The blades lock open. Again, those back little, those rear deployment arms, they, they lock in an open position. The, the only other rear deploying head that I can think of that locks open is an afflictor hybrid. And it's very rare for, I mean, maybe there's others, but maybe the Clovis does that, but, but it's very rare to get heads, gator style heads to lock open. And so if it has a hard impact of both blades at the same time, boom, they lock open. And then you're guaranteed that cut all the way through the animal. It may swing at a little bit smaller places, but that cut is those blades are, are not going to retract back. But if you hit it in a bit of an angle, that blade can retract back. Then they don't lock open. Then you've got like a normal gator style head. And that can be a problem in, in, in that it can be a little bit smaller cut. Or if you hit a rib, an offside rib, right before it exits, then that blade can retract back. And that exit through the hide can be a little bit smaller because one of the blades has retracted back. So I've taken, I don't know, 25, 30 animals all over Africa, Canada, Nova Scotia. I mean, you know, all over different places. And it, it's always done the job well. There's been a few times that that entry hole has been a little smaller than I would like. You know, maybe more like like the head, like, like if, if it's swung, like maybe... Uh, a little over an inch, inch and a quarter or something entry hole. That's happened a couple times on an exit hole. But then at the same time, most of the time, the entry has just been massive. I mean, like, like gigantic massive. And so, I, you know, they've done very well for me. So like anything, there's, you know, there's pros and cons to it, but the durability and that the way those blades interlock for me kind of stacks the odds quite a bit in my favor and the accuracy. Those, those are the strengths I see. So um, I'm going to add a decent amount to this. And I, I, I obviously, like I said, I've, I've been using these a while. One of the um, at face value, when you look at the broadhead um, complaints I get from people that I have not found an issue with is the deployment wings cover the blade. 
um, are over the top and they're not sharp. They're not sharp by design, but I've had people worry. And if you look at one like straight down where it's, you know, flat or parallel to you, uh, you'll see that the, the little deployment wing goes just over the blade. That has nothing to do, in my opinion, from what I've seen, zero issues with the actual function of the broadhead. But it's something that's been brought up to me on many, many different occasions where, hey, why don't they sharpen that? Well, if they sharpened it, the chances of the broadhead deploying or not deploying are much greater because they need a blunt object to open the broadhead. And if that was sharp, it could potentially not bring the blades open or out. Um, so that, that's right. Yeah. Whatever, time anyone brings that up, it's a moot point. It has nothing to do with the actual entry hole. Now, when John was talking about, uh, the blade retracting, there are two negatives to this broadhead when it comes to that. When he says retracting, the blade is not closing up. What he's saying, it's pivoting. And so it goes into its happy home in the ferrule while the other blade is sticking out. One of the things I have gotten feedback on and then now actually seen it myself are the blades actually not locking open and closing back up. Now, I had heard speculation of that and rumors and hearsay from people that, you know, until it happened to me, I was keeping it, staying cognizant of it. But I, I did see that this year where the blade did not stay open. And so it, it actually had a larger entry hole but it closed on exit. Chris Rowe had brought this up to me on a podcast. I'm like, Chris, look, I've never seen that. This is all like, this is, this is one of the broadheads that we recommend. Well, the evolution and the, the sever is what we recommend. And I, I was like, man, this, I, I have not seen it. I did see that this year where it did close back with my own eyes. It did close back up. Now, have you seen that or heard of that where they close? Okay, here's the thing about that. Yes, just like every single rear deploying broadhead, that that's what's really important for people to understand that if if it doesn't lock, and again, this is like one of only a few that lock open. So if it so all the others that don't lock open, the same thing happen, especially gator style heads, because they take a pressure on the front on those deployment arms to keep the, the blades open. So if they're, if they're slowing down or they're not getting enough pressure on those deployment arms, then A, they may not lock open, like if they hit at an angle, like I said, and B, then they, they may not stay open fully as they go through. That's every gator style head. But a lot of the time, in my experience, most of the time, they do lock open. And so the way I view it is, well, if I'm using any gator style head, they're definitely not going to lock open. With the sever, I've got probably, I don't know, 80% chance they are going to lock open. And so that, that's kind of how I view it. It's, it is a weakness, but it's a weakness of every gator style rear deploying head like that. Only this one also has the strength that it could lock open. And most time for me, it has. Now, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't. And I found what I found in my experience is the 1.5 actually opens more reliably and gets to that locked position more, more consistently than the larger ones. I shot one time I had this time, this time in Iowa, I shot this buck boom with a 1.5 and I thought it was a really good shot right behind the shoulder. It went just a few feet, turned around, or, or the same, same side. It just stood there, 
And so I shot it again. I shot it the first time with a 1.5, second time with a 2.0 in a very similar spot. And it was really interesting to get to test both. And actually the holds were remarkably similar. That that 2.0, it hit a soft spot and it didn't fully lock open. The 1.5 did lock open. And so the hole sizes were the same. And so adding, adding to, um, you know, that one, I, I agree with everything that, that John had, you know, had said. And so when I said in the beginning, when we started this for people to really listen, some people will hear that and say, well, I would never use a, a sever. And the, the thing is, is again, is, is the lesser, you know, there are, this can happen with any of them, especially the ones, like you said, the gator style. And so that's something to think about. Do the pros outweigh the cons? One of the other cons that I've only seen once is the deviation of the arrow from point of aim, point of impact and point of exit, meaning you shoot and you hit and it should exit out the offside just behind the shoulder and something wonky happens because of the pivoting blades. Now, I've actually heard that a lot. I've never actually seen visual evidence of that. Now, people have told me that. Again, people I trust have told me that, but I've never seen it. I did see it this year for the first time, which is one of the reasons why we're doing this review, um, is I don't like to... I never want to say anything off of, of straight speculation without saying, hey, this is speculation or this is hearsay, you know, and, and make sure and caveat that. I saw it this year and... It, it was it was strange, and I still am not sure exactly what happened. It was basically broadside, uh, bedded animal. It, it wasn't me. I was on the spotter watching this, and it it more or less seemed to like run the length of the backstrap. Um, and it, but it was broadside on the shot, bedded. Um, was that because of what the deer did? Was that the actual ba- blades pivoting? You know, I I don't I don't know. But when people hear that, some and I'm trying to be as honest with these as I can. Um, They'll get worried, but I have seen all kinds of things happen with fixed and mechanicals, um, you know, like we're, we're talking about. They all have downfalls, and so do the pros outweigh the cons. If you're looking to be a sever hater, you may immediately say, well, I would never use that. But if we go to something like, say, a Grim Reaper, well, I can bring up tons of things wrong that would be wrong with a Grim Reaper or, or whatever, a Spitfire or an Evolution. Like, you can, you know, there's always going to be negatives. The rubber band portion of this, the the a negative side to this that people really need to pay attention to is if you're going in, so I replace in my hood, I put closed cell foam and I cut big slits in it and then I hold the blades down in the back at the O-ring and push it into the foam because the blades can rattle. Now you can put a little wax on there and it helps. What I found the best is in that foam, that quiets it down, which is why I don't like the double gripper um well, I like the double gripper, gripper quivers, but with the sever, the blades can rattle. And that's an issue for some people. So that foam solves that. With that, though, if you bump the back end of your knock or if you're using equibilizer and do that, that can push the broadhead in and flex the blades out because the deployment blades are being pushed in and flex that O-ring. Again, you know, it's the lesser of two evil or it's, you know, it's six to one half a dozen the other when you go through all these things. Is that a big enough negative for you to not shoot them? When you test these, they test extremely well. And for the most part, they're going to leave devastating blood trails. You said 80 percent, you know, 20 percent chance of them not opening. I'd say it's probably closer to 10 or less. Um, 
from my experience, but it, it, that's from what I've seen. It, it's not many times that they don't open. When I say that, this is the first time I've I've actually seen it was this year. It happened a couple of times. So there, it's a great broadhead. Yeah. Yeah. And when I say don't open, I mean, don't lock open. They open just like any gator style head, but it may not be the, but, but none of those lock open. And so this one, you have the chance, you know, very good chance of it locking open. So it's a pro, you know, one thing about the, um, you were talking about the deflection, which, you know, anything can happen with so many different dynamic forces in a broadhead. I, I think this mitigates the, the deflections more than it creates the deflections but anything can happen. And then when you're talking, wait, what was the second thing you were talking about? Because I wanted to make a, oh, oh, about the rattling. So what happens with the rattling is, I mean, I go through a lot of severs in my testing and hunting. I use them a lot. They're like my go-to mechanical, but I use a lot of different mechanicals and it's definitely not foolproof, but it's not all of them that rattle, but the rattling is when there's the internal, you probably know this, so I share it for the viewers. If you take it apart, there's a little curved uh, metal O-ring. Yeah. It wraps kind of around the ferrule. And when that, it, it's still within their specifications, but sometimes it doesn't have enough flex to it. And if you just between your thumb and forefingers pinch it a little bit, it creates more flex and then you put it all back together, then it doesn't rattle. So everyone, you know, I don't know how common it is for me. I, I, it's hard to even say one and how many times, but some of them rattle because of that, but it is, you could put wax over it, like you're saying, or you could just bend that O-ring and then you're good to go with it. But it is kind of a pain. Oh, another pain about them is in a really hard impact. Then the blades do lock open and those rear deployment things, they overlap and it can be hard to unstick them. And so, I mean, that's a good problem in a sense, you know, it's really gonna stay open. But if you wanna reuse it, sometimes I've had to take like two ends of pliers and pull on the backside of the blades to get them to unoverlap. And then sometimes people have a hard time closing the blades. You know, they come with a little tool that you can close the blades. I, I don't even use the tool anymore. I just, I can do it with my thumb. Like it's, it's pretty simple once you figure out how to do it. But those are, you know, those are negatives for, I, I can understand that, you, you know, you go, I don't want to mess with that or that's kind of a pain. There are things like that. But, you know, again, it's, it's strength can also be a weakness in other regards. Yeah. And I, on the closing, I've gotten used to it now where I don't, it's not, yeah, I don't use the tool. Um, you know, so, you know, with, with like with that sever and again, I've shot a lot of animals and, and, and recommend, you know, those broadheads as well. And yeah, it's, it's weighing it out again. It's, it's literally like what is most important to you and you will see, and you can see from replies on my, on some of my posts where, there will be five good experiences and then a bad or, a, you know, one or two bad ones, a couple good ones, 10 good ones, one bad one. And that's with pretty much all broadheads. And, and I would yeah, say, I, true. well, and I, I, I don't want to say I, I know this more than anyone, but doing the Q and A's and being really open to, you know, answering messages and, and getting feedback from people. Yeah. I, I hear it all and, and, and good, bad. And, you know, like I, yeah, I found that there was no blood, this broke, and I'm not talking severs, I'm talking everything. And so a lot of my my final thoughts on these heads, which won't be on this exact podcast, will be kind of a, you know, just a tail end of this, is these are things that are are my own findings and what I've heard and all of that. And then at the, in the end is, okay, well, what's important to me? Like, like John has said, 
this is what's important to me. And this is why I'm choosing this, you know, broadhead. That is what you need to think about with these, within even the ones we're not talking about. And But I can tell you, you know, fixed blade or mechanical, you're going to have issues with anything. And it may be tuning, it may be concentricity, straightness, it, it could be anything. And so keep that in mind as we're pros and cons, because some people always hear what, you know, what they want to. Is there anything you want to add with the, the severs? No, that's, it's all very well said. I mean, everything in broadhead design is a trade-off. Flight and durability, man, and, a, you know, locking blades most of the time, to me, that those are just humongous strengths with a sever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. Um, so we're going to do one more broadhead here, and then I'm actually going to take a 15-minute break because I'm about to go blind, and then we'll hit the, uh, the fixed blade portion of this if you're good with that john do you still have time or you yeah are? yeah i'm good with that okay so no i'm good the next one's the the evolution uh broadhead and this broadhead was actually originally called i think the grave digger i think it was called no limits i had to change the name then it was the grave digger um broadhead i used a ton when it was grave digger they sold out to plano maybe and then uh for lack of a better explanation the head just kind of went to, to shit it just it cheaper parts and manufacturing. Uh, so I quit using them and they had a few different designs back then. And then, and I think they still sell those, um, grave they diggers. Do. Yeah. yeah. How, and so yeah, I, they do. out of the gate, how do those do now? The grave diggers, you know, <laughs> I tested one earlier this year. I just, I bought a pack on Amazon to go, well, let me see how they do now. Cause I've used them in the field successfully. And man, it tested really well. I was surprised because I'd heard that it went down. And, you know, a lot of times when companies are bought out like that, like there's definitely not as many weights and models as there used to be, not as many variations. And I don't know if the consistency and the quality control is as good as it, it was in the past. But I will say the pack that I tested did quite well. And, you know, he, you know, who knows, like when I went from using them and I, and I was liking them. And then when I, you know, they kind of had the transition, they could have changed manufacturers again after that. Cause there was a point in time you would shoot it in a Reinhardt and the blades would break. Like it was bad, like mm -hmm. really bad. So, um, but, but oh, wow. yeah, it was, but you know, that was a few years ago. It's now. not like that now. Well, at least the ones I shot, man, he went through steel plate MDF. I mean, the blades did very well through it all. Gotcha. Well, well, the one Dale had originally invented those and then he was bought out when his non-complete compete clause was ran out. He came out with the evolution head, a little bit different locking system, higher tolerances, uh, you know, you know, more or less um, pretty much better all the way around as far as just the materials, components, things like that. Um, this, this broadhead, you can change from a mechanical to a fixed blade, which is, you know, a bonus for a lot of people. Um, the locking system is very unique. There's a polymer pin at the bottom of the, the, the blades. And, um, when that thing, when the blade opens, that breaks, and that's what causes the deployment or the or the, the the blades to open is breaking of that pin. It's a hybrid, so it's a fixed blade on the front and then a mechanical behind that. The blades are sharp almost throughout with kind of a swept blade. Um, there's multiple different variations of this. Um, you know, there's a two and a half, a two inch. They have a, some turkey heads and everything else. Um, you know, with this broadhead, I have recommended it a, a very a, a, a lot. 
I, I liked it back then. I really like it now. The, I know initially when I was shooting them, when I had to replace that pin, I called Dale and dropped some four letter words. Cause it was not cool getting that pin out to replace it. Um, for, you know, to shoot it for practicing, to shoot it again. And he has a practice head as well. He's, he's enlarged that hole a little bit and I've gotten and better at it, but with the, 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 the system in general, I'm a big fan of it because of that hybrid and they are extremely accurate and durable. The blades will bend. Um, they can't have too high, too, too much hardness when they do the Rockwell, um, or Rockwell rating because they'll just snap when they open. So they need to be a little bit more flexible to bend so they don't snap off. So they're a little bit softer steel. Um, they are relatively sharp. They do penetrate pretty well, but, but John, I'll finish my thoughts up from, you know, you go ahead on your, on your findings. Yeah, I tested this head. I just looked at it this morning. As a matter of fact, it was three years ago. I need to do a retest with my updated regimen for testing to see how it would perform with some of the tests that I do now. It'd be re- I'm curious to see that. But man, it did really well back then. Those you know those curved blades that Dale put out there with the Grave Digger and utilizes in this, both with the fixed blade and with the mechanical, they're both curved. There's man, they penetrate very well. I mean, that curve really does make a difference. And there's other heads that use the curved blade as well, and and they almost always really penetrate well. At, you know, at the same time, so at, you know, in the same way. So that that's a real strength of them. Um, you know, I like the modularity, like you're saying. You can go with two of the curved fixed blades, or you can go with the the leading curved fixed blade, which is like three quarters of an inch. And then you have the the blades in the clo- the mechanicals in the closed position are like a, like an inch or something like that. So at worst come to worst, you're getting that hole. It's a little bit bigger hole than most over the top front deploying broadheads because it, it it's hybrid like that. You're getting that extra cut like that. So I like that. It's not rear deploying, and so those mechanicals are not going to open the full you know, opening size that most, or that, you know, that most yeah rear deploying heads are going to open. So the entry hole won't be as large as it would be with a rear deploying mechanical, but it's better than just the typical front deploying because of that hybrid fixed blade to it. Have you any problems with the, the blade kicking out on angled shots? Because they, I mean, they're not all the way at the end, which is nice. You know, there's that whole fixed blade to open up the hole. But then, uh, you know, because they are sticking out front to point, I wonder if you've had any issues with that. I have not, but I do know people that that have, and that's actually the only downside that with with this, you know, broadhead. And what, what, where I have found it was not with heavier poundage or or heavier arrows or higher momentum, higher speed. It's it's lower poundage um, that that will happen. And I think what it is is obviously it's just. Um, you know, it's going in slower with not as much ass with the chance of deflection. Now, again, I haven't seen it, but but a few people that I trust have had that happen. Just like with the the sever, it's it's one of those things that it's like okay, less you know the 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 lesser of of two evils. Like what what's going yeah, to be Im- yeah. important to you? Now, for for me, some of the most devastating holes I've seen have come out of an evolution, and I. Somebody asked me the other day, I think I said I probably shot 40 animals with them. That might have been a bit of an understatement. It, it may be double. I can't remember. It's a, it's a lot because a guy called me. I was like, dude, it's more than that. But I, I, again, when you when you test these broadheads, 
The only negative side, which is hard to mimic, is that potential to deflect and not deflect in the animal, deflect off the animal, um, you know, at a steep angle. So when you when you tested them, what do you think compared to your testing then to now? What have you added in the testing and what do you think would it test better or worse? That's a good question. I've changed the biggest thing I changed. Uh, well, there's several things, but one of them is the sharpness and the edge retention. I do that differently. And I looked at my old video and I used a, I used a paper cut test and it cut the paper, but it kind of bent the paper a little bit with each of the cuts. Like it wasn't just a super clean cut. Now I use a much more precise sharpness tester. And so I just, I'm curious how they would do in uh, in the sharpness and in the edge retention. And you have two different blades, like the Lee blade is 0.060 inches thick, that fixed blade, which is a really nice stout thickness to it. The mechanical is 0.030. Um, and, you know, so the, I would imagine they would be different in terms of their sharpness, but I, I would like to test that. And, you know, then I think um, in the durability test, just like you said, they don't, they, they didn't break, but they, they are actually, I think it did lose a blade. Yeah, it did. I, I used to do three shots through the steel plate and it lost a blade on the third shot. Now I just do two shots through the steel plate and, you know, so it would have passed, it would have done fine, you know, through the steel plate. And that's pretty impressive. Uh, I did back then I did five shots through half inch MDF, three shots through the steel plate. Now I do three shots through the MDF two shots through the steel plate, which is plenty. And so it was, it was good durability. They did bend back like they're almost horizontal in the open position initially with a gentle curve to them. But then if they get too much, you know, hard impact, they, they by design, they just kind of bend back. They don't retract and spring forward again. They just, you know, they bend back into more of a curve, not unlike the swacker, like the Levi uh, Morgan series that is already bent and then it may bend more with hard impact, but that's, that's not a, that's not a bad thing. I mean, it does keep its, its, uh, its overall cut there. Yeah. And one of the things that, that was intriguing to me that definitely like if I was scoring that bumped this specific broadhead up on my, my, uh, my happy Snyder meter was the glue in. Um, I, I, I hate with, and, and John is down with JC. I'm going to keep the four letter words out of it. I strongly dislike one, six, six components. I am not a fan of micro components. It's it's just a pain dealing with them. So I, I would prefer to shoot a micro, uh, if I could, you know, and I've shot two Oh fours for a long time, like an axis. I mean, I've shot every arrow known to man, but an axis generally wins because of the component system. But if you shift that over to a glue in system, the one six, six is going to be my choice. And when I say that a micro, I like glue ins, um, on, on anything because generally they're more, when I say generally, they're going to be more durable. The concentricity or the run out is going to be better. And the way that I run my system in general is when I build arrows and I build a lot, I'll build three to five, six dozen, and I'm going to build my hunting arrows and I'm going to spin them, test them, get them all ready to go. And then I'm going to build my practice arrows with broadheads and I'm going to do the same thing. And then I'm going to build 
my field point arrows. Now, when there's not a glue-in system that covers everything, I'm going to have a hodgepodge of crap, right? When I say that, I'm going to have maybe the glue-in broadheads, but then I'm going to have a half out or some kind of a component that I can screw Uh, a field tip in. Now, does that change accuracy or anything? No, but it's not as durable. And it's certainly with most half out, most half outs, they suck. They can bend where with this, I can glue in the field points, glue in the broadheads. And if I want to, I can still get a component on those arrows if I wanted to test out other broadheads. But my primary is all glue in better straightness, better durability. Uh, Dale added that to his system this year, so you can have glue, which will which will heavily strengthen the broadhead, so you can glue them in into a one six six shaft. So that definitely bumped up the Happy Snyder meter for me that he added that, and I just found that out recently, and they tested extremely uh, well. And I don't know what your thoughts oh, are on that. Good. Yeah, I I haven't done any testing really. Well, maybe I haven't done much with the advantages of a glue in. I did used to shoot injections back when I, I think when I first knew you, I was shooting injections, but back then there weren't many good outserts to, to, you know, make a more, you know, where I could shoot a lot of different broadheads. And so I felt too limited and I switched to Axis and then I switched to Hex with a 75 grain brass insert. Then I switched to Bishop Archery. I became friends with the owner of Bishop Archery and Man, the components he uses like these, these like 125 grain hardened steel inserts. I mean, these things are just amazing arrows. So it's all they're all extremely durable with screw in models. Like when I go when I go to uh, Africa, Cape Buffalo, I glued the I epoxied the head. It was a screw in head, but I also epoxied it in just because it was a single bevel. I didn't want any adverse rotation or anything in there. I wanted to, you know, stack the odds in my favor, but really I just do all screw in head. So to me that it's not an advantage, but I hear what you're saying for you or people like that to be able to use a micro and a glue in, but that's, that's a cool combination. And, and again, like you said it before, it's what's important, you know, to, to each person. One of the things, and I have not shot with John in a while, I will drop a bomb uh, when needed. And uh, so... You do drop a bomb. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and so, you know, with the uh, the ability to glue in, that precision of that is is a bit... Not to say it's not important to John, but it, it's, it's high... And, you know, it's, it's very important to me, especially if I'm, you know, a glue in fixed blade, extremely important. Um, so again, like right now I'm shooting Easton axis with the iron will, uh, wide and I'm having, you know, I have, or excuse me, the iron will arrows, the Easton axis, iron will arrows. I have iron will components with severs and I just glue in the iron will component and the sever all at one time with hot melt. So I don't do the hit insert and the epoxy. I actually glue everything in at one time. And then my field points, I do the same thing. With my pro comps that I have, I have a little bit of everything. I have some titanium half outs. I have some aluminum half outs. I don't like half outs. The tight or it's kind of a I mean, it does go over the arrow a little bit. I've got severs on. I've got screw in uh, three Rocky Mountain Cutthroat three blades. I've got iron wheels, a little bit of everything, uh, as well as some of the LRP system from I've got all kinds of crap, but LRP schwackers. Well, that's kind of a pain if you're going to do a little bit of everything. And when I say that, if I did just LRP system. 
it simplifies the system, but I do have to run just LRP. So there's going to be some other components that I may need to use. If you're into geeking out, that's cool. But if you're into the micro, like micro diameter arrows are going to drift less in the wind and out penetrate other arrows at what level. And that's important to you. That's a personal preference. But if you're going to shoot long range in the wind and want the most penetration you can, a micro will win. I just don't like the components why I shoot a 204 normally. This kind of changes that. Uh, Dale also is selling an arrow that goes along with it. Um, I think it's a, like basically a, a very, a, it's a it's a yellow label uh, VAP TKO, which is a, a 166. So, you know, like it's what's important to you. So that was cool that that, that happened. I wish Sever made a glue in uh you know, a broadhead for micros, I th they might, I don't, I'm not sure, but that would be cool. But I always like, you know, prefer the glue ends. Yeah, that's good. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it could be a pain and it's expensive. I will say that, like when I say expensive, like everything's expensive nowadays, but I, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, you test broadheads and people give them to you for free. You probably buy some a little bit here and there. If I had to buy everything I did for testing, I would be divorced again. I, it's expensive to test. Like it's it's expensive. Yeah, no doubt. You're right. Uh oh, um, well, uh, John, do you want to take fifteen twenty, take a break, and then we'll do the um, yeah, uh, you know, fixed blade portion of this. Let's do it. So you like got around twelve thirty. Okay. Wait. We'll oh, oh yeah, you're you're yeah, you're a little oh. ahead of me. Do you have anything you want to add before oh. we hop off? Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Oh, no. You're no, right. this is a really good discussion. You know, Aaron, I mean, we, we were friends, you know, we were together in Colorado and we'd talk every now and then. I mean, like you said, a little bit less since we moved to Iowa and then moved to Texas, you moved. And anyway, um, but I've, I've watched some of your results, a lot of your results, and it's amazing how your experience in the field on so many animals has brought you to such similar conclusions to my experience in the lab. And it's, to be honest, it's really validating and it's enlightening. And I, I just go, wow, that's really, wow. I feel the same way. Wow. I feel the same way. And it, it's really interesting. And, you know, like we said, no broadhead is perfect, but, but there's so many of, of the similar conclusions that we've come to as well as you've shared tests and insights like the, the, the pressure test of, you know, pulling the poundage at a lateral, in a lateral direction on the broadheads that, that really intrigues me. I go, Oh, maybe I need to start doing that. So I, I love just this discussion. It's been super stimulating. No, no. I, yeah, I, I appreciate you being on. And, and the one thing like you, I was like, okay, John is going to be much better at this portion of this. And then I'll do the, the field stuff because I don't, uh, I don't put the broadheads through top to bottom exact tests. I do a few that are very like, okay, this is fair, equal on everything. And other ones, I may just sit there and wing a bunch of arrows and then be like, oh, I see this problem. I'm going to dissect this more. You know, if that makes any sense, like if I'm shooting, yeah. in, if I'm shooting into a 3D target at a steep angle, I may shoot that thing 40 times with 10 different broadheads. One of those is eventually going to have an issue that I'm going to like, okay, time to dive deeper. What happened? Is it because they're bending 
and people are like, like the component usually is bending is the ferrule bending. Okay. Well, you, 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 when you pulled it out, you, you know, you're, you, when you were pulling your arrow out, you kind of flexed it. Well, shit, if it can't handle that, that's a problem, right? So, I mean, and that's happened. And so then I'll go through it on that, that arrow, that T-bone and uh, last chance, that revolution arrow tester, I'll go throw it on that or a Ram tester and be like, wow, holy cow, that is, that is bent. And I didn't pay that much of attention, but I didn't drink that much today. Like that, 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 that feral <laughs> is bent a lot from me pulling the arrow out. And then that will create more of a test where I can dissect it. You are very good at that from top to bottom. So I appreciate you, you know, you being on, I, I did, or, uh, you know, whatever, definitely relay the same comments you made, but, uh, but yeah, let's take a quick break. I got to call about 95 people back here and we'll hop back on. Yeah. 12, give, give it like 20 minutes, uh, 1235, if that's cool. All right, we are back for part two. I've got my buddy John Lusk with Lusk Archery Adventures. This is the 500th episode for Kafaru Cast. This is part two. Uh, this is the fixed blade portion of the review and discussion. <clears throat> this may be one long podcast. It may be two. So in case it's two, here we go. Uh, John, tell everybody where they can come find. John does amazing broadhead reviews. Uh, tell, tell everybody where they, you can find that. Yeah, you can find my broadhead test. I've tested, I have like over 300 broadhead test videos on my YouTube channel, Lusk Archery Adventures. And so if you just go on there, or if you think of any broadhead you're wondering, if I've tested, if you type in on YouTube search, Lusk plus the name of that broadhead, if I've tested it, it's going to come up. And you can see a good, objective, detailed engineering type test of how it performs. So we, uh, we, we talked about this in part one, but um, if you skip for some reason part one and just listen to part two, John and I met a long time ago, been friends for a long time. Um, because of the way he's doing his reviews, I really wanted to get him on here for the mechanical and the fixed blade portion. Uh, one of the things we brought up in part one uh, with the mechanical is the big debate between whether to shoot a fixed blade or a mechanical because of the um, potential for a mechanical to fail. Um, with fixed blade broadheads, I obviously that's all I shot out of a recurve. Um, there are pros and cons to fixed blades. The biggest pro is they are very durable and uh, they cannot fail. The biggest con is they are much harder to tune, uh, you know, more wind drag at longer distance, more wind drag as far as left and right. Um, you know, they, they don't leave as big of a hole. They, 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 and if you shoot a wide, they're even harder to tune. So we will talk a little bit about that as time goes on. John, you just told me a story before I hit record as an example of fixed, uh, blade to mechanical. You don't need to mention the guy's name. Um, but can tell that story real quick. This is a prime example. Yeah, I have a really good friend that a few years ago was getting ready to go to Alaska on a caribou hunt, and he called me up, just freaked out, because right before he was in the plane, he went to shoot this fixed blade head that he'd been using, was really comfortable with it, and at 20 yards, he was like six inches to the right. And I said, dude, you know, did you change anything with your bow? No, no, and I'm asking questions. Well, it turned out... And put on new strings like a week before, and yeah, he's kind of a young guy and know what that would do and how it would pick up his tune and so forth. But he's like getting in the car to go to the airport, and I said, "Man, you got two choices. One, you can just re-tighten in your bow. You don't have to tune it. You could re-tighten it in, or two, if you have any." 
severs kicking around, a mechanical head. And he goes, yeah, I do. I have about 1.5s. I go, that's another option. Just put one of those on, and it'll probably hit the bullseye you know, to far distances. I go, just test it when you get there to Alaska. So he did. It was right on. He came on this caribou, 72 yards, drilled it. I mean, there, there was a blood. He sent me the pick for this beautiful caribou. And that demonstrates the difference in flight forgiveness. Now, yeah, I can say he should have, you know, checked his snout, which I guess he was just a little bit too late. He should have checked that that's avoidable. But it just shows you there is a significant difference in, in flight and a lot more forgiveness with a mechanical. They have their play. And then you get that flight with a really big cut. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're kind of coming in a little bit fuzzy. Um, are you in the same spot you were when we did the earlier portion? Yeah, I am. I, uh, let me just stay even more. I'll stay even closer to the phone. Maybe that's making a difference. Yeah, that might have been it. But, um, you know, with with when you're choosing a, a, a fixed blade or a mechanical, 100% pros and cons to both. And just like picking a fixed bait or picking a mechanical, it's going to be what is most important to you. And there are things that are undeniable with both. A mechanical has a higher probability of failing, cannot be denied. But the, you know, like I said earlier in the first part, if I said, hey, go to the pro shop, get six arrows, screw six fixed blades to those, even if your bow is tuned, you don't have a great chance of hitting the target every time at 50 unless you put some work into making sure the concept or the run out or they spin true on the fixed blade where with the mechanical, they're probably going to hit the dot. Also the blood trail portion of it, or if you hit it back in the stomach, um, if you hit an elk in the stomach with a 338 Lapua and you hit it with a 6.5 Creedmoor, I guarantee it will remember your name much more with the Lapua. No different, same thing. So, I have heard people to say inside of 50 yards, there's no reason to shoot a wide fixed blade. That may be true, but still, that is if you are very competent at tuning, because if you're shooting 295 feet per second, even at sub 50, I have seen crazy, crazy things happen where guys miss the target by feet with a fixed blade. So just something to think about. But having said that, there are many fixed blades I really do like and some that I've helped, you know, design and and still will use. And I, I told John this earlier, I, um, you know, I, I'm probably going to go back to the um, uh, old school, you know, two fixed blades and three mechanicals in the quiver this year um, for, for that fact. And I think, John, you said you, you might do the same thing. Yeah, I, uh, I I use both in my in my quiver. There's times I have yeah, a few fixed blade for close distance, and then a few uh, mechanicals for long distance. Did that on a moose hunt last fall, and you know I shot the first shot was fixed blade. It was at 30 yards, and uh, and then the, the, I did a follow up shot at 70 yards. It was a quick shot, you know, boom, it, it pauses 70 yards, drilled it with the second shot. I don't think I would have been able to do that with the nerves and the distance and so forth on that second shot with the fixed blade. But both have their place. And so I, I like using both like that. Yeah. And that's probably what I'm going to end up uh, end up doing. Um, there is one uh, broadhead that John's going to speak of in this podcast that I have not used towards the end. Um, and that's just because I don't have any experience with it. And he just tested it. But uh, the broadheads that I wanted to talk about were the uh, the cutthroat and the cutthroat three blade, the iron wheel solid and wide, the annihilator, 
the Magnus Black Hornet and Stinger. Uh, let's see, the Slick Trick, um, Viper Trick, and well, I'm going to talk about the Viper Trick. I have way more experience with that, which is a four blade. Um, the Evolution, they have a Jekyll and Hyde Evolution does, um, and, and we'll go into that later, and the VPA three blade. Um, and then, John, which was the one you were going to add to that? The Trifecta fixed blade. Gotcha. Okay. But I want to start with the Magnus Black Hornet um, and Stinger, kind of a, I say lower budget, but lower costing broadhead. And I would say both of these broadheads, depending if you like the more three to one style um, or or the little bit, you know, basically shorter head, non three to one. Um, the Black Hornet is probably one of the best broadheads for the money. Um and, and, and test extremely well. They can be a little bit of a booger to tune. They don't spin perfect every time, but you can fix that. But, I mean, a, a great broadhead and, and, and not that bad. But what was your findings on that? Yeah, Aaron, my, my findings were exactly the same. I, I didn't know what to expect. And I had, a, I had tested those years ago, and I was a little too hard on them, I think. I was a little too negative. I shot them into, like, steel flat bar and – cinder block and they didn't do well. And my tests just weren't very balanced. And so I thought, well, let me do a retest. And, and I did earlier this year and man, they tested really well. The flight, even the penetration was, was really good for the size cut you're getting. And uh, as was the flight and then the durability actually impressed me. I shot it through MDF, half inch of MDF three times, and then two times through 22 gauge steel plate. And then shot it into cinder block. And it stuck in the cinder block with no damage. I mean, I spun tested after that. You can see it on the video, but man, for the price and even with their warranty, you know, I could do all that and then I could even send it in and get a free one back, but I didn't do that. But I mean, it's pretty incredible what they do for that price range. Yeah. And I, you know, I shot them out of a stick bow, you know, far more than a compound. It, it, I will say like, I, they are depending upon how your bow tunes, they are, you know, fairly wide. That's not the broadhead's fault. Um, you know, so like as far as if you're a little bit closer to the riser, so if you're tearing a little bit weak and you, you know, you had to bring it over, they, they are a pretty wide, uh, you know, broadhead. And so, um, that, you know, they might hit the riser when you draw back. And I'm, I'm thinking of that because a guy that was, you know, had bought those that I was helping him tune, um, I had to actually end up shimming his cams over to get his arrow away from the rest to, to get them to tune. And they did not spin, you know, perfect every time, but they were not, they were not bad out of a, a stick bow. Uh, man, they, they, they are solid. Um, and when I say out of a stick bow, meaning it's a lot easier to get those to, to tune. You don't have to worry about the shelf issue. Um, you know, but they, they are, they are a little bit hard to get to fly accuracy wise off the top of your head. Do you remember how those, uh, you know, performed? Yeah, actually for me, they, they flew really well. Like I, I was, I think in my first test back then I was shooting them out to 80 yards. It was either 80 or 60. I mean, I've gone down now I do it at 30 yards cause I can fit it in my backyard and that's, you know, where most people shoot anyway, but they actually flew really well for me. I, I was impressed with that size cut. Usually, you know, the greater the surface area, the less forgiving the flight. But at least in the batch that I had, they flew very well. Well, and, and oddly enough, I ordered all these at the same time. The The Magnus Stinger flew better than the Hornet with the ones I was testing, which is a much longer 
broadhead. It's more of a three to one, um, uh, you know, type of a broadhead. So a lot longer type broadhead, which generally are harder to tune than the, than the shorter broadhead. So, you know, neither here nor there, as far as that goes, obviously, if you're both tuned, you're, you know, you're going to be, you know, fine either way. Um, you know, and I, and I hate to ever, you know, like no one's ever perfect. So like when you, you could get a bad batch of any type of a broadhead, but you know, with the black hornet I got was a 125 grain and uh, you know, they're inch and a quarter wide. They, they have a few different versions. I think they have a serrated edge version. If I'm not mistaken, I could be yeah, wrong. They do. Yeah. And I didn't get the, you know, the serrated edge, ver- uh, serrated edge version, but they're, they're sharp all the way around, meaning, um, you know, if you look at the broad head, they're sharp on the backside as well as the front, which is really handy, you know, when you, when you, when you're, if it's stuck inside of an animal and durability wise, I didn't break one. Now I don't shoot them into a cinder block anymore. I used to, it is fun to shoot stuff into a cinder block. Cause if you're, you know, that little kid that liked to destroy things, it is fun watching stuff break <laughs> and to see if it'll handle it. But going through plywood, uh, three quarter plywood, you know, I shot it enough where I got tired of shooting it. Um, you know, and it it spun fairly well. It it did well. And and I think they're like 44 bucks. I'm gonna pull this up. Yep, $44.99 for three. So not bad price. Yeah, that's right. You know, I've heard some field reports because when I did the test, a bunch of people send me videos where the feral, it's got an aluminum feral, and the feral had broken in a number of the impacts. But, you know, that can happen with any head. And there's always one-offs. There's weird angles. The animal moves a certain way. So, you know, only put so much stock in that. But then I heard they're coming out with a 150-grain all-steel model, and they're supposed to send me some of those. It was going to, matter of fact, they might be out now, but they said by the end of summer, they'd send me some to test. But I look forward to testing the all steel model. Yeah. And and with that, like if your bow isn't tuned as well, the chance of um, uh, aluminum ferrule, ferrule bending or breaking uh, is, is much greater. And that's the thing when you're looking at these heads is like anything with aluminum ferrule to me is kind of a disposable broadhead to some degree, even a fixed blade. And I say disposable, you're just not going to get, you get what you get when you, when you, you know, it, 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 it performs as well or better than you would ever expect an aluminum ferrule broadhead to perform is I guess the best way I would put it uh, myself. Um, yeah, that's a, that, that's a good way to say it. Now, as far as like penetration on that, it penetrated really well for me. It did fine. It did not penetrate quite as well as the, the stinger. I shot a uh, stinger 125 grain four blade. It's got little bit, little bleeders on it. Um, you know, that both of those broadheads are are not bad. I don't know if you did the stinger, I would imagine that did not perform as well durability wise as the Hornet, but how did the stinger do? Okay. So surprisingly it did, it did really well. I mean, it was the same kind of a thing. It penetrated well, it flew well, and it too stuck in the concrete without any damage. I like, I was, I was surprised. Now I will say that I, okay, I just moved here to Texas and I'm resetting up all my testing lab and so forth. And so I always get my cinder blocks at Home Depot. And there's like a different batch of cinder blocks because all of the heads or most of the heads I tested in that run did pretty well against the cinder blocks. So they, they did kind of get a little boost in that sense. I don't know what it was. Now they're back to the originals and then poor heads that I test now. But but that all that being said, 
it's stuck in cinder block. I mean, it goes in like half or three quarters of an inch and, you know, it's basically a zero penetration test and it did surprisingly well, even with that longer design. Now, like you said, being able to hit, you know, if it's well tuned and the bow, you know, it flies perfectly straight, there's a lot less stress on that long blade and that aluminum ferrule than if it's got a little bit of wobble to it when it hits the cinder block. Yeah, and I and it is an aluminum ferrule, but but good broadheads, uh, you know, for the money, and and not not uh, not something I would ever you know worry about. It, it is not it does not win everything. It is not like the most elite broadhead out there, but a, a damn good broadhead, you know, for and at forty four ninety nine or whatever, a good option. Um, anything else you want to add to those? No, I, I like that. And then they have this, you know unlimited whatever warranty that for any reason if they get damaged you get a free one back you just send them a picture of it i mean that's that's pretty nice i would like to add to that that unless it is damaged in an animal or you are shooting it just into a foam target don't send the broadhead back don't be an ass um i say that from a (laughs) a guy who owns a few companies like I know, like, don't do that. Like, don't break it on purpose. Like, b- be good about it. Like, Magnus is amazing for doing that. But I know guys that will, like, shoot them for a while and then break them on purpose. Like, don't do not do that. Like, if it's performing well, unless it has a failure on an animal or a failure that should not be, that you would think that, you know, if it breaks going into a form target. But I, I there's no, I probably broke, I, I remember shooting them into my concrete wall in my garage and I, it's just not right to send those in to get new broadheads. So yeah, they do have a great warranty, I but agree. Yeah, be a good person about it. Yeah, I agree. I didn't send mine back after doing all those durability tests and I had paid full price for them as well. But yeah, I, I don't do that. Um, so the next up is the annihilator broadhead. Um, that annihilator had a lot of, um, I don't want to say controversy because it's a good broadhead, but, you know, there was, you know, some statements they made and, and there was people saying, oh, there's more drag because of this or that or, or, or whatever. Um, I'll, well, the same thing. I'll give my two cents in here, here in a second. But what, what, um, what did you come up with that, with that annihilator? Okay. I did it. I did an initial test of it and I thought there was drag and I got like a pretty significant drop at the longer range shots. I, I can't remember if it was 60 or 80 back then, but I, I got a drop. And then I, okay, I put the video out and then I, I talked with them at the ATA and they're like, man, that's just not been our results. You know, here, we'll give you another pack, test it. And, and I tested it and it flew extremely well. And so then I realized that I had changed the, the weight of the arrow, I know it's like a stupid mistake, but I'd messed up and I'd, I'd had a different arrow and, and different setup um, for a hunt that I was on. And so anyway, I, I redid it and I, I redid the test. It flew very well. And then so I put it out. I apologized to all the viewers and everything and, and posted that retest. And so it did great flight-wise, did great durability-wise did fairly well penetration wise. Okay. And then I was using a test that it did really well in, but I've since discontinued the test for a reason. I I don't know if you've ever done this test, but it's a drainage test. And I'd always, you know, I'd seen these where people 
shoot like a, a two liter bottle or a milk jug or something like this and how then they time how quickly the water drains and that's you know maybe they say a, a good indicator of bloodletting and so forth and so I experimented a lot with that. I did, I did all those different bottles. Then I thought, well, whether the flap gets pushed in or pushed out when it cuts, it makes all the difference in how quickly it drains. So then I thought, well, let me use like a Ziploc bag because it's more supple. And then that kind of tore. So then I special ordered the thickest Ziploc bags, like some, you know, some companies, whatever, they, they special made these. And I mean, I did it as detailed as I possibly could, hitting the exact same spot with each broadhead. And I, I realized they're, con they're completely inconsistent. I would have like a four blade giant cutting, like a grave digger that would have, uh, it would take longer to drain than a little bitty two blade at times. Like there was just, there was so much, so much disparity that I, I just realized there's, you know, how the head rotates and whether that blade is like lower or higher in the line that I'm aiming for. It, it just, it, I decided to throw out the test, but when I tested the annihilator, when I was using that test, man, it drained the bag in like no time. And so I think they benefited from that test. It's like this little bitty head drained the bag so quickly and I was really up on it. And then I realized, oh man, you know, when I started testing more with that, that this isn't really a real world. It's not really a fair result. So I stopped doing that test. But durability-wise, flight-wise, penetration, the only concern I had with it is it's a relatively small hole. Even though it has a big surface area, it, it's still relatively small. And so it makes a nice, you know, hole, but it, it is more of a hole. Like it, it doesn't have these blades that cut out and can clip that extra artery or something. So I, you know, that, that's why it wasn't actually my, you know, my, my favorite favorite, but, but durable, durability, flight, penetration, all that with a good shot, you know, you're going to be in good shape with it. Yeah, I, all my findings were pretty much the same. I never done the drain uh, test because I just it's like, man, it's so hard to mimic, you know, to keep it. I don't know to where it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's I mean, honestly, it's as it's as inconclusive as shooting an animal every time because every it's different every time. It's hard to to mimic. Um, my only downside yeah. with the annihilator, what you know, what you've already mentioned, and the size of it's not a downside. That's how the broadheads built. They didn't come as as sharp as I would like them, so I I touched them up. Now, you know, when I say that, that isn't necessarily a downside to me because I don't mind hitting a broadhead on the stone, but it was something I would mention to people like, Hey, you know, double check it. That could have been that batch I got. It may not have been, but they weren't as sharp out of the the boxes I would have liked. And I didn't mind. I have tons of sharpening stuff. I threw them on the wheel. Um, and I actually, I gave three of them to Mike Kern and he, I think he killed a bull. I know maybe he didn't care. He shot something with them, but you know, it's one of those things like, you know, as far as the whole size, that's, that's going to be something that it's not the broadhead's fault. That's one of the reasons they fly so well. It, it's not going to be as big of a, of a hole or as much, um, that's much bleeding per se, as you would get obviously with something else that has a bigger cut. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, in terms of the sharpness, like a good thing with a one piece, three blade head like that any one piece three blade heads is you can just lay them flat on a stone like i'm sure you know you know with that with that six degree bevel and you can just you just lay it flat you can sharpen them on a rock i've sharpened 
three blade heads like that on on the the edge of my my truck window on the edge of like a mirror in the hotel like I was on a high, like it's so easy to sharpen heads like that and then I found the Stay Sharp guide makes this 344 sharpener that you can you can change the bevel angle from 60 degrees to 44 degrees by sharpening it on a curved surface and it takes away like like one grain. I mean, you'd be surprised how little it takes away and it increases the sharpness like 15 to 20%. So when I tested the Annihilator, I used that and man, I made it, made it a lot sharper. So that's just a cool extra tool. If I did that with the, uh, the cutthroat as well. If you're doing a, a, a three blade one piece head, it's something to consider if you want that extra sharpness. Gotcha. No, that makes total sense. So uh, a good broadhead, and, and I will say it was real, real durable. It did extremely well at that for me. Um, blood trails, not the greatest for me, but I, I, I only shot, I think, three animals. May have been two, but it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm never this is horrible. And it wasn't like, wow, it's, you know, it's a, you know, a river of blood. It was just like, yeah, what you would expect out of a broadhead that size, but a, but a great broadhead. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, the next one, uh, would be, uh, well, let's do the iron will solid and iron will, you know, vented. Um, obviously I'm friends with iron will. He has a, a system that he named after me called the Snyder core. I think he still offers that. Um, you know, with, with iron will, the, the biggest thing obviously is the the price you hear, uh, quite a bit about, you know, that people will, will not like that. Um, but you know, it is, it is an, an amazing broadhead. I have shot a ton of stuff with, with iron wheels. Um, you know, but I'm going to hand it off to you again and, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. I, you know, I know Bill as well when I lived in Colorado and, you know, love talking design with him, you know, he's an adjunct professor, of physics at University of Colorado. He knows his stuff when it comes to design and the physical aspect. And his goal was to create this super high-end, extremely well-constructed component head. And it's components, not just one piece. A lot of fixed blade heads are one piece. And I've asked him about that, like, what are you compromising by having several pieces and not just one piece? And he feels like he's not because none of the, uh, like they have a little set screws in there. They're not load bearing. It all interlocks with itself. And by having like the blades be separate pieces, each of the blades, you know, the cross blade and the main blade and, and the bolts and everything, he can, the specifications he can get, the tolerances are down to like, I mean, way finer than you could ever do in a, in, in a one piece head. And so, you know, that's that's his take on it is he can make them just about as durable, but much more precise in their construction by doing that. And my testing has has shown that. I mean, they flew very well and the uh, the solid as well as the vented, at least within my margin of error, flew very similarly and they flew really well out to long distances and uh penetration was really great durability i mean they stuck in concrete they punched through steel plates and i mean with almost no damage like i mean it's a it's a really well-built head and you know it's one of those heads like you see the price you're like whoa and then you get it and you don't wonder where your money went. Like, it's not like you go, well, man, why'd they charge so much for this? Like you go, oh, I see. I mean, you feel like you're getting a fine piece of equipment right there. 
So I, I really uh, enjoyed testing those, and I've used them quite a bit in the field as well, and they've, they've always performed really well. I will say that the cut is pretty small. You know, it's one and one sixteenth inch diameter in the, in the regular size ones, the, the originals, and then has a three quarters of an inch cross blade, like kind of a bleeder, which is really nice. Um, but, it, but it is relatively small compared to some other heads. And, you know, you go one and one sixteenths, like for penetration, it's really good. But again, you know, the chance of clipping that extra artery can make a big difference in blood trail or a smaller hole. It's not just about the blood from clipping an artery. It makes it easier for it to get plugged up with with tissue, like with guts or, you know, with muscle or something that just can slide over the hole. And I've had that happen with a number of heads that size and even with iron wheels. I mean, it's been lethal, but blood at, at times has been an issue. And I know there's a lot of factors affecting that, but that's the only drawback that I've had with it is its cut size. But again, like you said, that, that's not the broadhead's fault. And for some size animals and some setups, that's exactly what you want. So it does a good job at what it sets out to do. Yeah, I know. I agree. I, I will say like with the vented, um, they do make some noise like any vented broadhead. Um, I was a big fan of the solids. I didn't really like the vented. The vented also, especially in the wide, they will break a little bit easier like any wider vented broadhead. And again, that's what, you know, when you're trying to go a wider cut, um, and, you know, and obviously not have this crazy heavy, you know, broadhead, um, you're not going to have as much durability at the point because it, the broadhead is vented. Um, you know, durability wise, they're not the most durable broadhead I've, I've tested because they're not, you know, one piece. And anytime, you know, when you, when you're comparing it to like a, uh, a cutthroat three blade, a, a cutthroat three blade is about as indestructible as you can, can get in, in my testing. And the Annihilator did well, BPA did well, but the cutthroat three blade, how that is made is literally made to, to take some major abuse while the iron wheel did not test badly. In fact, it was one of the more durable ones. It wasn't quite the most durable, but Again, it's that's I mean, it's I mean, you're getting what you pay for and you're getting a work of art when you get that broadhead. I mean, it is unbelievable. I will say I have zipped through animals so fast with that broadhead. Not that this is a bad thing. They really did not know what hit them. Um, and I've had people ask me that question before. Have you hit an animal that didn't really know it was hit? And I'm like, yep, I have bounded a couple of times and just stood there like, hey, what was that? And then they fall over dead. I've had that happen with an iron will. The material that they use, uh, the tool, the 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 A2 tool steel, um, it it's it does a very good job. Um, I'm trying to think. I've shot three whitetail that literally bounded twice and then fell over dead, blood pumping, because they it zipped through so quick they had no idea what happened. Yeah. And you know that I appreciate you bringing up the, the, the steel because a lot of people don't understand it. There, there's so many things that affect durability and steel type is one of them. And of course, geometry is another one. The hardening process is another one, whether it's um, machined or metal injected molded or a component head that affects the durability, whether it's vented or solid, all those are factors, but the type of steel is one of the biggest factors and that affects edge retention as well and what makes a two tool steel tool steel meaning it's a steel that's used 
to shape and and impact other steels like in the in the process it's like stronger than most steels so it can be used as a tool and the thing about tool steel that's really nice is you're getting like about double the impact resistance, a thing called the Sharpie V-notch score, which they do a consistent test of this wedge banging against the steel and they see how far it indents. It shows how far the steel, how much the steel can resist impact. A2 is like double that of 420 stainless steel, which is what most broadheads use. So it's got double that impact resistance as well as it can be really uh, hardened, like super, like to like 60 of a Rockwell uh, uh, hardness scale. And that, you know, if you do that with a stainless, it's going to be brittle. But because of the impact resistance, it can be brought to a really high hardness, which is going to make it super sharp and have good edge retention. And it's going to have the impact resistance. So that's what makes it expensive. But again, you kind of get what you pay for in that. Yeah. And I, 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 uh, I, there, you know, so, I mean, as far as with, with the iron wheel, I mean, the vented being wide, isn't a ding on it. So per se, uh, other than you shoot a vented broadhead, they're going to be loud, louder than a, than a solid, um, price. That's going to be the big one. Um, uh, price is going to be really the downside. You can't ding it for, uh, a smaller cutting diameter. I would say when you, you know, to get accuracy, you need a smaller cutting diameter. That's just the nature of the beast. So those kind of things are, again, it's what's most important to you. If you can't see blood worth the crap like me, then you may want to say, okay, for certain situations, I may want this broad head over another, um, meaning you need your hunting Cape Buffalo or whatever. So price would be really the only ding on these, I would say. And, and it sounds like you're kind of of the, the same opinion. Yeah, same thing. And I want to make one other quick comment here. They, um, when they came out with uh, the 100 grain solid, it has the same cutting diameter as the 125 grain, but it's shorter. And so they saved on the weight. It's the same thickness, but they saved on the weight by making it shorter, which gives it a lower profile in flight and makes it fly just a bit better and penetrate a bit better because there's less surface area. And so I actually like, I shoot 125 grain typically, but, uh, but the hundred grain solid tested better than the 125 grain solid just slightly for those reasons. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that makes, that's, it makes sense, but that is, that is interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, a great, great broadhead, but, but expensive. Um, yeah, yeah, it is expensive. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, what are they, 33 a piece? That's what I want to say. They're like, yeah, it's like 33, 35, something like that a piece. Yeah, over 100 for three. Yeah, so don't tell your wife. Um, okay, next broadhead, <laughs> uh, the VPA, uh, and they, VPA makes a ton of different broadheads, but the three-blade, three solid is the one that I had used, you know, the most 125. And I've used, um, they, they make heavier broadheads as well. Obviously I've used, um, I think that their 200 grain was one that I used with not, I don't think I used a 200 grain, um, inch and a quarter and inch and an eighth with trad. I used one of their one fifties and then out of the compound, I've used their one twenty five. um, w- with the, 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 the VPA, um, broadhead the um i watched your art or your video on this um i actually prefer and this is diving into the rms gear the cutthroat three blade 
I actually find the convex blade easier to sharpen because I don't have to have exact pressure and I can roll it where if you're doing the flat, you may not have exact pressure all the time. And that may be my personal preference, but either way, both of them are easy to sharpen with any three blade like that, grab the top blade and just push it down, um, you know, down, down the, the stone, or if you have it on a wheel, they're relatively consistent, meaning they always spin pretty true. Um, but I'll get to my thoughts here in a minute. How, how did that test for you? Man, it tested really well. And, and for those reasons you said, I mean, it's just built like a tank. And I think I tested, I'm, I'm trying to wonder now, did the first model come out in S7 tool steel? I, I want to say it did, or at least I think I tested the S7 tool steel model. And those aren't cheap, but wait, wait, are we talk, we're talking about the cutthroat or the VPA? The VPA. Are talking about both? No, oh, the VPA okay, right the VPA. now. Okay, let me, Okay, the VPA, yeah. So, okay, so back up on that. So they use a high carbon steel, um, but due to the, the structure, it has a great structural integrity due to the design. I mean, it's just, it's a workhorse of a broadhead. It's like a no... No, no fooling around, Brad. I mean, you get what what it's just you look at it, and that's what you get. You're going to get a, a a tough piece of steel that's easy to sharpen. It's going to be very durable, and it's just going to penetrate well. And I mean, that that was the case of it for me. VPA does great stuff. I mean, their machine shop. I think they have more fixed blade heads than any other single broadhead company just so many designs and they started to foray into s7 tool steel as well with a new uh, two blade that they came out with but yeah i really i i thought their three blade i mean it wasn't fancy but it was just a good workhorse of a head i did find again i could sharpen that like any of the three blades with that 344 sharpener from Stay Sharp and get it all the sharpener because all the sharper because 60 degree bevels only get so sharp otherwise. But when you can like put a little bit, uh, you know, finer bevel on it and still just as durable, man, it, it gets it even sharper, but they're great overall heads. Yeah. And I shot a ton of stuff with them with my recurve. I went with the compound pre recurve, not so much. Cause I just, um, you know, when, when I was shooting a compound, uh, before the recurve, I, ha I didn't dive into as many different heads. So when I shot the recurve, you know, obviously I had had looked for the, you know, very good durable broadheads and it was a 200 grainer um, when I was shooting those. And I, I mean, the thing was very, very, very durable. It was a workhorse. Again, it spun well, not really any negative thing to it. The price isn't horrible. I don't know. They're probably, what are they? I'm looking right here, 56, 75 for three price is not horrible. Um, and, and great penetrate. I mean, again, all around great broadhead. I, 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 I'm only bringing this up and, and, and throwing in the Rocky mountain, the cutthroat three blade back and forth because the, the difference between the two, even though they're three blades, the, the, the reason why I would choose that cutthroat three blade over the BPA and, and I would, I'm curious, I'm bringing this up from your testing. I found the cutthroat three blade was just a little more durable. It did a little better with that because of how the point is. And I got a little bit better blood trails because of the convex or the swooping um, of those blades. Now, as I say that, so everybody knows that's listening, I don't want to be unfair. I helped design the cutthroat three blade. So 
Make sure everyone knows that. Um, but the reason why we designed it the way we did was for the same reasons I prefer it. So take that for what it's worth, because I don't want anybody to think I'm being biased. And if you think that I'm letting you know, hey, I did this. But I found it a little bit more durable and a little bit better blood trails. But the VPA was right behind it. It wasn't far behind. And I, I'm curious if you found kind of the same you know, conclusion. Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact quantification of all of the tests, but I remember that that convex design and going similarly to the the curved blades, uh, as we were talking about in the previous episode or earlier um, with the evolution and the Levi Morgan Swacker, those curved blades really do make a difference. And so I like that in a three blade, one piece head. And I think the one I tested it with that was made out of S7 tool steel, which is one of the most impact resistant tool steels there is. Like I, I mentioned that A2 is about double the impact resistance of a 420 stainless steel, typical broadhead stainless steel. But S7 is like over four times as impact resistant. And so, man, it's like that is one tough head plus the structural integrity of the design, the geometry, and then those curved blades make it really an exceptional broadhead. And it flew really well also. Yeah. And I, I like with the recurve when I was shooting, uh, both the VPA and, and the cutthroat and we'll just transfer over to the cutthroat while we're, you know, we switched over. Cause I want to be very to VPA as I say this and let everybody know, again, I helped to design that. Um, you know, the, the penetration on these heads is actually, it's quite good with the VPA. I probably shot, I don't know, 20, 30 animals with a VPA three blade, 20 for sure. Uh, does I shot turkeys with it. Um, you know, honestly, I can't, it's kind of all a blur, uh, but not one time did I say, wow, I'm switching with that VPA. Again, the only reason that, you know, I, 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 we designed this other head was those swooping blades and that reinforced tip. You can get the tip to bend on heavy, heavy impacts. Now, will it matter with an animal from a VPA uh, three blade to the cutthroat? That's up for you to decide. But both broadheads are great with that that cutthroat three blade it did handle blunt force impact better and i don't know if that's what you had found but for for me it did yeah i can't recall exactly but i think it i think that plus the steel that it used you know the design and the steel you know through the like you couldn't even tell i do remember you couldn't even tell it was shot after going through the steel plate to uh, a few times back then i think i was doing it three times and then into the concrete as well. It just held up perfectly well. And, you know, I didn't know you helped design it because they. I called them to see if they would send me some heads to test. And they're like, nah, they're selling so good. You know, we don't have any left over. So I had to pay full price for those. And, but I wanted to test them so bad. And so I did. They, they weren't that cheap. Um, but, but anyway, but yeah, they're, they're, they did very well. Yeah. And so like when I'm testing fixed blade broadheads for accuracy, you know, I'm generally going to have a cutthroat three blade, an iron wheel or a VPA or something like that. Um, and I, I, I generally am more towards the cutthroat three blade or VPA because if I'm doing long distance and I miss, 
it's not that big of a deal. And I know that sounds mm-hmm. like, oh, and uh, but it's like you start flinging fixed blades at 100 to 120 yards. Like I have a plethora of cutthroat three blades, and that's 100% the broadhead for me that won the fixed blade broadhead, not to announce that early, but whatever, just because I – I can get them to tune out to a hundred with a little work, but like when I'm tuning and shooting, if I miss and I'm skipping it across the, you know, the high planes, it's not a big deal. Um, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, I'll just come back, hit it with the the sharpener and the VPA is the same way. So, uh, I, that cutthroat three blade to me is just unbelievable. But again, obviously I also help design it. So keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> it, well, you did well. Uh, is there anything else you want to hit on those? No, those are both just great heads. Gotcha. Um, so with, you know, while we're going through all of these, um, I do want to touch just a little bit more on the, um, the, the great debate of, of fixed and, and mechanical. And when I say that, um, what are your number one reasons for shooting what you shoot, John? You know, that's a good question. Okay, when I think about what I want, A, or first, I want something that's going to hit where I want it to hit under duress. Quick shot, nervous shot, windy shot. I want I want a forgiving head. And my bow's well-tuned, my form is good, and everybody makes mistakes. And, you know, the pressure's applied, the wind, the variables. You know, I want a head that's going to fly good. Then, two, I want a head that's going to give me a very good chance at a pass-through. I, I prefer two holes. If I get two holes, man, I'm a really happy camper. It's going to typically be more damage and better blood. But then three, I want to cut as, as wide of a hole as possible while accomplishing the first two things. I want it to fly good, and I want it to go right through if I can. You know, good chance of that. You can never control it completely. And I want the biggest cut possible, the widest cut, not necessarily the most cut. You could have like a six-blade head with you know a half inch cutting diameter and so it's going to give you you know whatever like three inches of of total cut if you know if the the blades are all lined differently but that's gonna not nearly produce as much blood as if you have a, a three inch wide head like the wider it is i find the whole stretches the hide stretches when the animal moves and you're just going to get, you're going to stack the odds in your favor. So I want the widest cut possible while flying well and while passing through. And then I want it to be durable enough that it's not going to lose its shape. You know, if it gets all nicked up, if you get edged shatter, if there's not that uh, structural integrity of the edge, then it's, it's not going to cut as effectively or as efficiently as it goes through. And then I want it to retain its edge. Like initial sharpness is one thing, and a lot of heads are really sharp out of the package, but they're so narrow and they're so fine at the tip that as soon as you put it in your quiver, let alone the hide at nearly 300 feet per second, it gets really dulled. And so sharpness only matters until it doesn't. And then edge retention matters for the whole rest of the penetration. Like once that head hits the hide, then edge retention is the test. And is it going to retain its sharpness as it passes through? So those are the things I look for in a broadhead. And I try to balance all those based on my setup, the animal, the size of the animal, the shot distance and all that. That's what I think of, whether it's mechanical or fixed, those are the issues that I want to accomplish. Yeah. And I will just mimic that. I mean, everything that John said, the only difference between like when John looks at a broadhead and me is 
stature, my draw length is longer than John's. And so I, when I say I, I, the, the, we choose for the same reason, but I can get away with more, uh, just because I shoot longer draw length and probably heavier poundage. I don't know. What do you usually shoot for poundage, John? Yeah, I'm 72. I max out my 70 pound and 27 inch draw, typically like 450, 470 grain arrow. And and I'm 75 to 80, 29 inch draw, sometimes 28 and a half, depending upon, you know, the bow manufacturer. But technically, if you measured it closer to 29 and then, you know, I'm 450 to 500 on my arrows, depending upon what I'm shooting. Um, you know, and, and again, it just depends on what also what I am, you know, shooting to what broadhead I will be putting on, depending upon the animal. But um uh, the, all right. So next up, um, I want to go over the Jekyll and Hyde and uh, the Jekyll and Hyde, uh, you know, the evolution broadhead company makes a fixed and a mechanical, but you can change the fixed into a mechanical, the mechanical into a fixed. I usually say these backwards. Um, the Jekyll is the fixed blade. The Hyde is the mechanical. Did I get that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay, cool. So um, obviously the the added bonus of having a broadhead that you can do fixed or mechanical is is super nice. Um, it has swept back blades, uh, which I like in most most mechanicals or fixed blades. But um, how, how did that go in your testing? Yeah, it did really well. And, you know, initially I tested it with the vented models, and that did really well. Um, but then they came out with their dangerous game solid blade models, you know, where there's two, what, two one-inch blades, is that what it is? Um, and they're staggered. And man, it just did really well. That curve, it, those curved blades just do a number for penetration as well as for durability. And so I really like that that fixed blade portion. I love the modularity that you can switch over to the mechanical as well, but just as a fixed it flies great, not a super wide cut, but but still a very lethal cut and you know and, and four cutting edges, two different blades of one inch, so two inches of cut. Um, it, it did really well in flight, durability, penetration. There really wasn't much of a weakness to it. Yeah, and honestly, that just about won my fixed blade review of of everything now when i say that the one thing it's not it doesn't it's not going to compete um with durability when it comes to a cutthroat three blade but you also have the added bonus you know with that head of turning it into a a mechanical so it was hard for me to 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 pick and i you know i i what are your thoughts on that so i'm, I'm telling you now like okay it was the the jekyll hide combo or the cutthroat three blade for the fixed blade um you know, portion of this, are you like, eh, I don't know about that, Aaron, or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, it's a good question. And you're also bringing in four blades versus three and four with a little bit less cut three with a little bit more, you know, I think one and an eighth with the cutthroat and one inch with the, uh, the evolution. Um, I, you know, I think the, 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 the um, three blade cutthroat, it's got a better steel. And so it retains its edge better and it holds it up and it has much less edge chatter with a really hard impact. And so durability wise, I think the edge goes to the cutthroat, but you know, you know, how important is that little bit of edge chatter and a really hard impact you know, that's up for each viewer to decide. I, I'd say the durability goes to the cutthroat 
Um, flight, both of them are good. Maybe I'd give the edge to the evolution uh, for flight. You know, a slight edge. hundred percent. I would agree. Would yeah, I okay. know. And I mean, dude, I was dropping bombs with these things like 120 and, uh, you know, like, do you know, cause uh, you know, at 50, um, you know, I can tell, but like at those longer distances, especially like 80 to a hundred, um, you know, you really can see like more imperfections in, and when I say that this is over and over and over too. So what's like, well, why would you keep shooting them? Well, if there's any like, okay, if, 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 if it bends, right. If there's any, like with an aluminum ferrule, you'll notice it after shooting it over and over and over, you get some issues with run out or concentricity. Um, but I, I, it's, it's difficult. Um, you know, as I, as I say this, people are probably listening saying, well, you design the, the three blade, um, of course it's going to win. Well, I mean, it wins, but I, I, I mean, I, it's, it's not winning by that much and, but it's an unbelievable broadhead. And if you look at resharpening, it's winning. You know, if you look at durability, it's winning. If you look at accuracy, it's not winning. If you look at versatility, it's not winning. So those are things to keep in mind when you're comparing them. And for somebody that doesn't want to sharpen and you want to have the ability to shoot a fixed and a mechanical, well, the evolution wins that by, by far to me. So, you know, and, and I see that iron wheels right there as well. The one thing you get deep for me is with iron wheel is, is the price. They, they are expensive. So the rambling on, what do you, I mean, what do you think? Like, yeah, that's a, no, I'm with you. That's a classic example of everything's a trade-off in broadhead design. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You go, okay, edge for flight here, edge for durability there, you know, edge for penetration here. Like edge for, you can replace the blades here, but edge for, yeah, but you can sharpen them and they're super tough here. So it's like, it's all just a matter of what you want. It's interesting when I quantify in my broadhead testing, they'll get a, a cumulative score on a, a score of like a, a, a hundred. And sometimes this different heads will get a very similar score, but they get there in different ways for that reason. Maybe they get, they fly better, but they penetrate less or they have a bigger cut or they're more durable, but they don't penetrate as well. And so I always say like, you got to examine how they do in each of the tests to determine what do you need? What are your hunting needs? Are you like most concerned about accuracy because you're shooting really long distances? Well, then choose ahead for that. Are you concerned about penetration because you have a really light setup or a really big animal? We'll choose ahead for that. Are you most concerned about durability because, you know, you don't want to hit a bone and have it get all twisted around? We'll choose ahead for that. And that's where the, you know, this the personal subjectivity comes in. And most people aren't going to do enough research to be able to know what they want. And so that's why I give like an overall grade. Like you go, okay, this got an 85, you know, that means it's good. Now it may have gotten there in different ways, but you're going to be good with that head. So, you know, that's why I do the scale that way, but you're right. Everything is a trade-off and you got to decide what matters most to you. Yeah. And, and I, I can't preach that enough because uh, you know, when we were talking about, let's say a, a black Hornet um, in comparison to you know, uh, a hide. And I think, what do we say? The, the black Hornet, um, was what I say, 45 bucks. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So, well, these, I'm pulling this up. That's the glue in hide. Those are really expensive. So, um, the, they're what, 60 bucks. So $15 difference, um, you know, between that, but I promise you if I have to shoot and my life depends on it at 80 yards, 
I am not picking a black hornet. I, I am picking the Jekyll and Hyde system. And I say that because I mean, it, it, it's the, the, it's a bigger broadhead. The hornet's a bigger broadhead. So accuracy, and I'm just adding to what John has said, I'll get a bigger blood trail probably with a black hornet, everything being equal, but I may not want to hit where I'm aiming at if it's out there a ways. And so again, choosing what's most important to you is huge because I'll go hunting with any of these broadheads. But when you pick one that makes you feel warm and fuzzy, like John, what are you going to pick when you got a 220 mule deer over the hill? What's the one broadhead you're taking? Well, is it far? Is it close? Is there brush? Is there no brush? How many pounds am I shooting? Is there wind? Is there no, there's a lot of variables and only you can decide what's the best for, for you not to go off on a tangent there. But. No, I totally agree. I, you know, the most common question I get, you probably get it too. It, what's the best broadhead? And, and that's, that's the entirety of the question. Hey, you know, tell me the truth. What's the best broadhead? And you know, there are definitely, there are some better than others, but the conditions, like the setup, the, the animal, the distance, there's just so much. I can't, I can't answer that question. What I, what I think is the best for a Cape Buffalo may be really different. What I think is best for a turkey or for a little pig versus a big pig, you know, it all just depends. And so, again, on my channel, I try to educate people in that so they can understand what, what can a broadhead do? What can it not do? What should you expect it to do? What should you not expect it to do? What do you want it to do? And what do you not want it to do? So, yeah, you're right. It's, you got to know what you want. No, yeah, for sure. So, um, well, I don't, do you have anything else you want to add to that, that system? Other than I do want to add, they do have the glue in with that. So, if you listen to the first part of the evolution uh, broadhead portion of that, they have uh, a glue-in uh, hide, which is a mechanical uh, one piece for a 166, a micro component system. So since it's just a changing of the blades, the hide has the same system, which for me is a, a big one like the Snyder core uh, with Iron Will. I like to glue in the 166 systems because it's more durable and more accurate and consistent. So they do have that. Do you have anything else you want to add to that on that head? No, no. You explained that in the last session. And I, I, I haven't done any experimenting really or much with glue in. So I appreciate you explaining that difference. Oh yeah, no, no problem at all. Um, so the next one would be, and 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 with this, this uh, is the slick trick. Um, slick trick makes a plethora of uh, of different broadheads, and so <laughs> they I, do. I, it, it, it almost confusing. And, and you know, nothing wrong with that. It's always nice to have options. I I'm a, a four blade broadhead uh, guy when I have the interchangeable blade uh, fixed blade. So. I'm not saying I wouldn't shoot a three blade interchangeable blade, but when, when I, I'm going to have a, a system that has a ferrule that I can um, swap blades out in, I'm going to want at least a two blade with bleeders or a four blade uh, with the Viper trick. It's kind of a two blade with bleeders with more of um, um, it doesn't have a um, it's not a cut on contact. It has more of a chisel tip point. I, have you tested the Viper trick? Yeah, I have. Yeah. And, uh, and is it the, the wicked trick, which is similar, but with a, a wider, I, I, I may be getting that wrong, but yeah, I have experimented with that and tested that. And I like it. I mean, a lot of people swear by the, the Viper trick. That's their favorite slick trick. I find all of them have their place. And I've hunted with, I hunted with the slick trick standard for years and years. And then the Magnum and then tested the Grizz trick, Grizz trick two and the Viper trick, the wicked trick. 
And then they, you know, a couple, they have a couple different mechanicals that I've tested as well. Those didn't do so well, but, but the slick trick fixed all did fairly well. I thought they did, honestly, I thought they did better back in before they were bought out, you know, when, there was, I think, a bit more quality control. I don't know if I can say that, but when they, uh, when, um, what's his name? What's, I just drew the outdoor line. group. What's the guy's name? No, no, when the, when the, Gary Cooper, when Gary oh, yeah. owned them and designed them, you know, it was like the first short, compact blade head, or, you know, it was, it led that revolution. I don't know if it was actually the first, but everything was like, it's got to be three to one until that came out. And then it's like, well, no, let's go, let's try something shorter and compact and four blades. And man, it, it, you know, penetrated well and flew really well. I, I love that head. And every time I've tested, it's done really well. But in recent years, I found the quality control to be, the price has gone down, but the quality control has as well. If I buy like a, a pack of six, you can get them even at, or I don't know, six or four, but you can get them at even Walmart. Um, There'll be like maybe one that doesn't, it doesn't fit. Like the blades don't fit together. And uh, I think it is six. Yeah. It'll be like one that doesn't fit together, but still for the price and what they do, I, I've really liked all the slip tricks pretty much. Yeah, they're good. And I mean, they're not bad for the money. The the Definitely the QC seems to have gone down a little bit. They're not overly durable, but they're not underly durable, meaning they're not they're not the strongest broadhead on the planet. But I, I mean, they're good. They're relatively sharp. I mean, they do they do decent. Um, I, I They're not the broadhead they once were, but they're still better than most broadheads out there. A lot of broadheads out there. Um, you know, when when people are yeah, it, again, we beat this horse to death, but it's what you want. If you're the guy that walks into Walmart because of like, and, and I'm not saying this in a, I, I was that guy with muzzy four blades for years. I had to go to Walmart and buy them. That's all I could afford. Were they great? No, they killed shit, right? I mean, they worked, but as I was able to afford more, that risk of, of um, inconsistencies and maybe, you know, those had aluminum ferrule, um, yeah, you, you, you get what you pay for. And if, you know, guys are like, well, why does a, a pig's life have less worth? I've had this question asked to me than a stone sheep. I'm like, well, I guess some of it's just human uh, behavior or, or whatever, but, um, a stone sheep one is, you know, 75 to a hundred grand. Um, and a pig, they pop what four to six out at a time and fornicate all year long. Um, stone sheep do not. Right. And so a pig's kind of like a coyote or however you want to look at it. Is that right or wrong or however you want to look at things in the world? But I mean, when I'm shooting does, no matter what anybody says, like when you have a 165 inch white tail compared to a four year old doe, I'm sorry. It's just the value of that doe. Should it be worth the same? I don't want to get into this in great depth, but the one with horns on it seems to be worth more. That's just how life works. And so there are certain broadheads in certain situations that I'm like, well, I'll just throw these broadheads on for this pigs being one of them. So I've had that question asked, well, why wouldn't you shoot a whatever high dollar broadhead at everything? One, I don't have an unlimited budget. Even when I get them free, I also have to be able to talk to people and say, hey, would I buy this or this many or whatever? So I'm rambling. I'm going to shut up now. John, you want to take it from there? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I do agree. And I'd add with hogs, they're just so doggone destructive that every farmer I know that lets me hunt 
they're like, man, if you can get an arrow in them, just get an arrow in them. I, I don't even care if you kill it. I mean, that's just honestly where they are. They're just like, get rid of these things. I, I had a buddy just this last well, a few months ago that he did his, his harvest, his crops, his corn, and he lost like 15 to 20 acres total in in just hog damage you know like 170 bushels an acre or something like that and he's like man just get rid of them please so yeah i don't want to say their life quality is less but man most people go their wife life quality is less but I, the way i think of it like is is kind of splitting hairs in some ways as you pay more and more money what you get you know what you pay is what you get but you get what you pay for but you know, you're, you are increasing a little bit of accuracy, a little bit of durability, a little bit of edge retention. And if I'm going after, you know, something that's really expensive, that is a very hard earned shot. When I think of all the practice, all I put into my, my equipment and all I'm putting into this hunt and the flight and the travel, and man, I want to stack the odds as high in my favor as I can, even if it costs a lot, I don't necessarily want to do that as much or spend that much for just a little bit of extra return for a hog down the street. I mean, that's just, so it does make a difference in those high end components and everything. Um, is that difference worth it to you? It's kind of like a bow, you know, you go, man, you could just pick up a, stuff with it but you go man i want this carbon whatever you know that costs 1500 because it gives you a little bit extra and all of our wallets are different sizes you know i i heard bill gates that you know one time they said if he dropped a hundred dollar bill it's literally not worth his time to bend over and pick it up you know i you know when i was a kid if i found a nickel i'm like whoa a nickel now yeah. i just like i go ah, i'm gonna get a bent over so it's it, it all everything is relative and it's to you to go is it worth it for that hunt yeah, and I will. I'll, I'll bring it up. Let's say c- construction, for example. Um, if you are a construction worker and it's something you take extremely serious, you're probably going to be running um, uh, Hilti or Milwaukee. Or I'm not a fan of Dewalt, but you get the point. You're probably not going to be running Ryobi uh, tools. Um, you know, if you're a Ryobi fan, I'm sorry, but they're just not as good of quality. <laughs> And so it's just no different, like you said, with the bow or the broadhead. Um, if if you are take something very serious, like my camera, I could use a, uh, you know, I have super high end camera gear as I've gotten more and more financially stable, but or I could just use my phone. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to be able to print my phone photo or, you know, I'm not, not going to be able to sell prints from that or whatever, however you want to look at it. And so, and some people just like buying expensive shit um, and it's a warm and fuzzy for them or it's like they just feel tougher, right? Or whatever. So for me, it's more applicable to what system is going to be the most accurate, the most devastating, the most versatile, um, you know, for me, for everything I do. Cause I'm kind of a one arrow guy this year. I used two systems, but I'm going to shoot an arrow that's around 450 to 500 grains. I'm going to shoot 75 to uh, 80 pounds normally. I want to be between 265 and 285 feet per second. And I'm going to hunt everything from moose down. Occasionally I shoot a bison. I want one arrow that will do all of that for me and one or two broadheads that will do all of that for me. Even though I test all of them. When I say all of them, John tests all of them. Even though I test a lot of them. I want one that I can depend on that I trust that I bring all the time or two if I do a fix and a mechanical. John, I don't think you're too much different. It's just in the meantime for some of the lesser animals without somebody yelling at us, you test 
broadheads with those. But I can't imagine if I said, all right, we'll pick Dave. Dave, you have basically an unlimited budget. You're going on a $30,000 mountain goat hunt and you can afford whatever you want. He's probably not going to pick the bottom of the barrel broadhead. That's a financial decision that he has the money to do that. And if your money have, you have less, you know, that you get the best you can afford, but the best you can afford is probably not going to be the the best. And and like you said, once you get to a certain level, you are kind of splitting hairs though. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, I want. That I want a broadhead that's going to stack the odds the most in my favor within my price range. That's what I look for. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we covered everything that I wanted to cover. Is there anything you want to throw out there with uh, on the fixed blade side? Okay, did you want to talk about Exodus at all? You had mentioned that earlier, oh, but maybe you don't. No, no, I do. So I had I so I honestly don't like that broadhead for no other reason than the first time I shot it, and this was a long time ago. Um I just couldn't get the thing to fly. And when I say I don't like the broadhead, this is we're talking like years ago and I just never looked at it again. So I like the broadhead now. I shouldn't even have said what I said. When I first got it, <laughs> I probably didn't know how to tune. I couldn't get it to fly and I was an idiot and I never looked at it again. And and I I mean I shot it a little bit. I shot some animals with it. I I just had problems. And I'm sure it was all me cuz we're talking years ago when they first came out. That broadhead has been asked about a ton and a, has a cult-like following. I know you really like it. I think that's one of your favorites or your favorite fixed blade, but I wanted you to talk about it because because of what I just said, I need to shut up cuz I just don't have the experience and I'm trying to think I think that thing came out like 18 years ago or 15. No. Yeah. 15 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Let's see. I, I want to say it's like 2009 because I had just moved to Colorado. I think it was 2009. It came out. Yeah. And I was using slick tricks religiously until then. And, and I was the slick tricks. I, I was just getting, you know, if I miss the animal or even I hit the animal, the blades just got really nicked up. I'm like, what's up with that? And then I saw, okay, this Exodus is coming out. Let me, let me try that. This is before I'm even doing broadhead testing. And man, I started hunting with it and I was like, dang. I mean, I could not believe the durability and the edge, the sharpness and the edge retention. It was just, it was just in a different league. And so I, then when I started doing the testing, I, and I'd taken, I, I lost count at like 60 animals all over the world taken with the Exodus, especially the swept. I like the swept the best. It's a little bit more forgiving in flight and a little bit better penetration because it's just less on the blades, less surface area of the blades. And, you know, but, but for me, it worked really well. And I did all this testing and man, I'd shoot it into concrete and it just sticks in the concrete, spins perfectly true. I shot it into steel flat bar and it was one of the only heads especially one of the only component heads might've been the only component head that, you know, it's not just one piece that could handle steel flat bar. I was blown away by what it could do. And then, you know, you have the choice of with a, a 0.040 inch thick blade, you can either sharpen the blades or you can replace them and they're not that expensive and they're thicker than most replaceable blades. 
So I, there's just so much upside to them. And then the way the tip works is it's got a chisel tip, but, but it's really sharp. It's like a sharp chisel tip. And the, the chisels line up with the blades. In some of them, they don't. And that just helps the penetration. It's got a relatively sleek ferrule and a short design. So it's really tough. I also had a slick trick uh, break on a, on a hunt. It just snapped at the ferrule. And these have such a, sh and I was shooting injections. Yeah, it's when I was shooting injections. They have such a short overall ferrule that they were extra durable uh, at that ferrule point with injections, you know, because it, they're pretty narrow in that area. So that, that short length made them extra durable. So there's just a lot of upside and they've, they've always worked really well for me. And every couple of years I go, let me throw them through the test cycle again. And then I'm like, dang, and it's doing really well. Like for that size of a cut, one and a quarter inch through, you know, with three blades, man, that's, you know, most three blades are one and an eighth inch. But man, it penetrates better than the vast majority of three blade one and one eighth inch, and yet you're getting a bigger cut to it. And so, yeah, I, I, I like that. I don't know if it's my favorite, but I think it's one of the best all round replaceable heads, replaceable blade heads on the market. Cool. No, that's good. And I am not going to say anything because I don't have anything to say about those. Um, like I said, I, it, it, but obviously with all the testing and animals you shoot, I mean, that's a obviously a, a big, um, you know, obviously swing towards the, the exodus. I, I, I mean, guys were asking me, I'm like, I don't even want to reply to why I don't shoot them because I'm like, well, back when I couldn't tune, I couldn't get them fly and I just stopped looking at them. So I, I've heard great things about them. Um, how much you said? How much were? How much are they? Um, I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I want to say they're, you know, like the same as the other. You know, at one point they were thirty nine ninety nine for three, and I don't remember what they are now. It might have gone up to forty nine, but you know, they're like in the moderate price range, kind of the normal price range. Gotcha. Well, cool. Um, well, man, I don't. Uh, I don't really have anything else to to cover really i mean we beat the horse to death i think is there anything you else want to you want to touch on so maybe the trifecta i don't know if you want me to say anything about that i don't have to say anything about that oh no go, go done with it that's cool no no go ahead you're good okay so the trifecta earlier this year i heard about this head coming out and it's it's built by a guy designed by a guy who's here in texas so uh, he designs, uh, he owns Rattler grips, bow grips. And this was his first foray into the broadhead market. And I'm like, okay, it looks kind of weird, but let me test it. Like it's a, it's modular, kind of like you're saying with the, the high, the Jekyll and Hyde, that you can interchange replaceable or fixed blade heads. And the replaceables do really well. They're gator style. They don't lock open. So that's a, kind of a drawback. But man, the fixed I, I don't know if I've tested a fixed blade head that's flown better than this one, especially, well, they make a 125 grain and a hundred grain that have the same cut. They have a one and a quarter inch two blade, and then they have a little like uh, one third of an inch cross uh, blade at the tip. And so it's weight forward with that initial tip and their single bevel. They get better rotation than any single bevel head I've tested by far. And it's four blades, single bevel, 0 0.070 inch thick blades. So really thick blades, incredible rotation, incredible flight. Man, I just, I was blown away. Then they came out with an inch and a half cut model that's like 150 grain an inch and a half cut, like, I mean, that's a big old wedge and it's really short and really, you know, like a triangle, really, really wide there. 
but it flies I mean, for that size it flies pretty well too so i've taken a number of hogs with it so far and I've seen many heads, new heads that just made me go, wow, this is going in my quiver. I got to check this out like this one. So I really like it. That's cool. I'm going to have to check, uh, check that one out. Um, uh, well, man, I, I appreciate you hopping on here. Obviously the friendship over the years and this went way smoother than if I would have done it by myself. So, uh, yeah, big help. Thank you for hopping on. Well, I've learned a lot too, Aaron. I, I was texting my wife. I said, man, it's just so fun to talk to somebody who knows a lot about this stuff. I just, I just geek out and I love it. And I, I just, I love the interchange. And dude, I, I really want to go on an Audad hunt with you here in Texas. I, I'm hoping to get up there at some point, maybe next year, but we got to do something together like that. No, for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure and I'll make it happen. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's exciting to get you on here and the same thing, like to, like-minded kind of testing thinking and everything else and and as far as like for people tuning in you know lusk archery adventures uh john tests more broadheads than i do and then i will have kind of a follow-up this will probably be two parts because it's long um kind of a follow-up in the end of this of my findings what i ended up choosing um you know for what i'm going to run you know for 2024 and the end of 2023 um and 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 again everything we've talked about is, is good. So there's no reason to like sling mud at each other or get all crying about stuff. Like all broadheads have good and bad points. The biggest thing is what's best for you. Um, after that, I would say is, um, if you have questions on this, don't be afraid to, to message me. Um, but as far as like offering up new broadheads for me to test, Unless you're like a manufacturer, I, I, I am having trouble keeping up with the messages of, hey, test this, this and this. Unless you're actually just going to send me some, um, I'm not, I'm, please don't take disrespect. I can't keep up with the amount of people ask. Go to John's page is what I'm getting at. He's probably already tested it because um, I, I can't keep up with it. There was a lot of, did you try this? And like after like 40, I'm like, yeah, there's no way I can keep up with this. So. Well, thank you. Yeah, I do love testing different heads. And a lot of the viewers donate the heads. So all I need is a new pack. And if I haven't tested it, I'll, I'll gladly put it in the, through the, the protocol. Cool. Well, thank you again, man. I really appreciate it. And I, yeah, I, let's get you on again to talk about uh, John Lusk in general and some of your hunts and everything else, because that'd be super cool. And it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for me to come down and go to church with you occasionally. Uh, probably would not hurt my <laughs> yeah, soul. Any, so <laughs> cool. Well, thank, <laughs> thanks again, thanks. dude, hey, for everything. Aaron, congr congratulations on 500th episode too, man. That's man. Not many people can say that. So well done, brother. Yeah, 512 million downloads. That's probably even the crazier portion. And that's, I think, wow. without counting iTunes. So That's impressive. Well, way to go. No, Keep it up. Thank you. Yeah, you as well, man. Take it easy. All right. See you. Bye-bye. What's up, everyone? It's uh, After Hours here, actually, at Kafara. This is the latest I've really worked, uh, probably ever. Um, but I wanted to kind of went home today and, uh, hung around with wife and, uh, you know, wrote some things down. I kind of wanted to like summarize the, the broadhead review. I, uh, you know, obviously the 500th, um, you know, podcast 500th episode, super grateful for everybody, all the, su the support, you know, I didn't, didn't, uh, think any, this many people would actually listen to me talk and, 
good, bad, or indifferent. Not everybody likes it, but uh, it, it's been uh, it's been awesome. Um, and with the Broadhead review, this being the 500th episode, um, John Lusk was a has been a friend of mine for years. I think 2008 or nine is when I first met John, and he actually helped me out. He has a great uh, Lusk Archery Adventures on YouTube. He has a great uh, page that uh, you know does Broadhead reviews. So he helped me out. Um, kind of gave his, gave his views on the uh, mechanical and the fixed blade portion of this. And then I kind of wanted to summarize my findings and my thoughts on this. Um, the, the, the overall winner of the mechanical broadhead for me was the glue-in evolution. Um, and the it was really tough with evolution when they had this just the screw-in broadheads of who the winner was. And, and when I'm looking at this, I'm looking at the most um, lethal and efficient and accurate system. And with 166s uh, or micro diameter shafts, which I, I, I shoot sometimes and I shot the pro comps with Easton, things like that, um, you know, I'd usually shoot a half out and I shot a ton of stuff with Sever. Um, with the glue in evolution, that's what bumped that up to being the winner. Um, you know, as far as the screw-in goes, it was really close with Schwacker, the Levi Morgan, the Signature Series. Um, with that, the Sever and the Evolution. Now, I, if I had to pick one screw-in broadhead because of some of the recent issues I've seen and feedback I've got with the the Sever, um, with them closing, and I've shot a ton of stuff with Sever, um, you know, and I don't want people to take this out of context. Like I've had in crazy good luck with Sever. Um, the dependability of the, the, the screw on the Levi Morgan signature series screw on, um, I, I think right now, and this is, was a tough decision. I would, I would choose that, uh, over, uh, the sever and it's close for me and it's really close, but, but I've had really good luck with that broadhead as well. Um, and the sever is, is, is an, is a great broadhead as well. Obviously I've used that, the sever and, and killed a ton of stuff with it. And so it would still recommend it. I would never not recommend that broadhead, but as far as the overall winner for the entire system would be the, um, the arrow that evolution is offering with the glue in, uh, mechanical portion. And they have a Jekyll and I have a fixed blade, the mechanical now, you know, with this, again, there's downsides to these. And like with the Levi Morgan uh, series, with, you know, the entry hole isn't always uh, a big hole compared to the exit. And that's one of the downsides with the sever. Um, sometimes the blades will close back up. You, I'll hear horror stories about that. And I hear amazing stories about that. I'll hear horror stories or, or bad stories about the Levi Morgan series with no, you know, giant entry hole. But uh, a friend of mine um, who taught me a lot in archery, Bill Pellegrino, he shoots the Levi Morgan signature series and loves them. Um, and there's other people that shoot other broadheads that I always take feedback from. So my overall winner of the uh, mechanical broadhead was the Evolution Glue-In. And the Evolution Screw-In is amazing too, but the total system would be the the arrow that Evolution is offering with that Glue-In system. The Screw-In Broadhead winner, um, you know, and again, all these were close, was that Levi Morgan Signature Series. And then the LRP system is another system and all of these were so were really close, right? And with that LRP system, that was another system that was in, you know, high contention because that is a micro diameter system. And 
with the with the uh, evolution system, it's a glue in where with the LRP, you glue in um, basically, you know, you have the shank that glues in and then it has a, a threaded nipple and then you screw on the broadhead. Also an amazing system. And then you have obviously just a screw and sever, um, you know. With that, and I don't want to run on too much, you also have the Beast Broadhead. It's a newer broadhead from, from Josh Bomar. That that broadhead is an unknown because I haven't shot enough, any well, any animals with it to speak of. And so, you know, that's an unknown. It performed great in testing. It did very well. It had some issues with horizontal. Um, it, it broke very easily with horizontal pressure. But it performs really well. Uh, it did decent in durability, even with knowing, you know, that horizontal pressure. But as far as impact with plywood, things like that, it did great. Um, you know, so that's that's something that I'm going to have to keep looking at. Um, I like the broadhead. Um, I, I'm sending, I had a couple extras I'm going to send down to Bill Pellegrino to, to, for he's going to test them out on whitetails. I'm saving some for me, obviously, to test out. But with that evolution system, uh, with that new arrow, it's it's a micro, it's a basically a VAP TKO um, uh, gold label um, arrow. Uh, and then you can glue in a field tip that weighs the exact same amount as the glue in broadhead. And you can, the glue in mechanical, you can also change the blades out to make it a fixed blade. So that was, um, to me, the overall winner. Now, again, with all of these, you know, the, 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 the Schwacker LRP system, the Levi Morgan series screw in and the Sever 1.5, 1.75 and 2.0, all great arrows and all, or excuse me, all great broadheads. Um, I, I just, if you listen to the portion in the beginning of this, where John and I are talking about there's pros and cons to all of them. Um, some of the pros and cons you can listen to, but like with the Levi Morgan series doesn't rattle in the quiver and neither does the evolution where the, the mechanic or the sever, you know, can rattle. You can take it apart. Actually, there's a little clip in there. John talked about it. You can put wax on it, things like that. Um, the downside to that sever was we saw those fails fail a couple times this year where we found the animal, but it took quite a bit longer where when it hit, it opened and then it closed immediately after. And I don't mean pivoted, it, it closed. And Chris Rowe had brought that up to me at one point, and uh, I had never had that issue. Now, Schwackers, I've never seen them. You know, that's something that doesn't really fail, but the entry hole, again, is a little bit smaller. With the Evolution, they don't have any of those issues, but they have a potential for bounce-off on steep angles depending upon how it hits. So again, you listen to John and I talk about this. It's, it's what's best for you and what you're doing. When you look at the micro micro diameter arrows, they are going to penetrate better, less wind drift. So one of the reasons the Evolution one, as well as the LRP system did so well, was because of that glue-in system, which is a more durable system, a far more consistent system um, for long-range shooting, penetration, wind drift, things like that. So again, both great options, but the Evolution kind of edged out the, that Levi more the LRP system by a little bit. Now, when you go to a fixed blade broadhead, by far the winner for me, which again, people listening to this may say this is biased, but that's the Rocky Mountain uh, Cutthroat Three Blade. That one, you know, for me, because of the durability, the ease to sharpen it, um, it's very accurate. And then followed behind that is obviously the uh, iron wheel broadhead, the solid, as well as the evolution solid head. 
There's pros and cons to all of these. The big negative on Iron Will is going to be the price. Um, the Cutthroat three blade, there's not, you know, it's not that bad. It's not priced that bad, um, you know, steel wise, you know, as far as like the uh, evolution probably has the, um, as far as steel goes, is going to have a lesser value or a lesser or lower grade on steel in comparison to the Cutthroat three blade and the Iron Will. All three of those are amazing. If you're going to do the glue-in system for a fixed blade and occasionally want to shoot a mechanical, well, that's going to put you where that evolution is going to be better. If you're going to do just a screw-in broadhead, that cutthroat three blade is amazing. It's basically indestructible. Um, you know, it flies well. It's easy to sharpen. Um, it leaves an insane hole. It does very good as far as blood trails go, especially for a fixed blade. The iron will obviously test extremely well in everything. It's an amazing broadhead. Bill has done a great job with that. Um, durability, not quite there against the cutthroat three blade, but the iron will is a little more durable than the evolution fixed blade. So don't want to confuse things with all of these broadheads that I talked about, or John and I talked about, they are all amazing broadheads. They all do great. They all have downsides. They all have upsides. Uh, but again, if you're looking for the most lethal, uh, system, uh, when I say system with a micro diameter shaft, you know, in, 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 in an actual system that glues in, whether you shoot the arrow from evolution or a different micro and glue that in or the LRP system, that micro diameter shaft is hard to beat. If you can afford it with a glue in system with standard components, it's a little bit rough. Um, so hopefully this made sense with, you know, this is going to be a very long podcast. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that, you know, at the end of this, people at least get some info, something to think about with what they're doing. And, and it, it was a very difficult decision. But the primary reasons that the uh, evolution won on that glue in or edged out the others um, was, was the the fixed blade that, you know, it's it's a it's a hybrid. The fixed blade mechanical portion of it is a big thing, uh, you know, for me, as far as you get a fairly good entry hole pretty good penetration, very good run out or concentricity because of the glue in very durable as far as that goes. But that LRP is an awesome system. The, the sever is an amazing system. Um, you know, so something to think about, uh, with the beast broadhead again, only time will tell, right? I, I haven't got to shoot any animals with them yet. And, you know, I'll, I'll report back as time goes on, you know, with how those do, but you know, they, they weren't, they didn't win in everything. They tested very well with John's test. They tested well with mine. John brought up a good point. He's never had a, a broadhead test as, as it really well or as well as that did and be a flop. So I've got to assume it's going to do well, but in good conscience, I can't say, Hey, this broadhead is the next best thing without using it on an animal. So I'm going to shoot a bunch of stuff down in Oklahoma and Texas with them. Um, you know, hogs and, and deer, whitetails, does, bucks, whatever, try those out, um, compare them against, you know, the other broadheads I'm going to be using while I'm down there and, and report back when I'm done with that. So I, I truly hope everyone enjoyed this podcast. I definitely can't thank, you know, everyone from the bottom of my heart. I can't thank everyone enough. Um, again, I think 12 million downloads and 500 episodes, 
And that's not uh, streaming or whatever you call that. It's not SS. That's not people just listening. That's actual downloads. And I don't even think that includes iTunes. So amazing for you guys to support us like you do. Um, thank you very much. Again, it's it's been great. And uh, if you have any questions, you know, with the review, if you have any feedback or, you know, anything else, please throw it up. Um, try to keep things calm, kind and polite. There's no re reason to sling mud. Um other than that, yeah, thanks for tuning in and uh, look forward to another 500 episodes. Mm -hmm.